The Coalition of Chaos has been destroyed, and I have been back to restore order. Oh, great. Forgive me, Heavenly Father, because my son has sinned. I chose a good time to come back, didn't I? Welcome back to Motorsport 101. No chance of that's what you got. guys all missed me really just a little bit maybe it is indeed your friendly neighborhood host mr andre harrison and i'm back hooray why aren't you all clapping because i definitely did not want to be prime minister with this shit going down <laughs> oh okay. great so basically like you so basically you engaged in brexit and the moment you didn't get the deal you wanted you stepped down yes yep i cameraed my way out of this <laughs> Fine, in that and case... And yelling I, independence I w- in the corner. <laughs> With no real plan besides just yelling independence. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun episode already, I can tell. Um, and yeah, I'm here to lead a minority government. Um, because for once we have a strong and stable opposition in the National Trust. I don't think that quite works, but hey, we'll, we'll go with it. Welcome back to episode 92. Episode, I said episode twice already. See, you can just tell I'm rusty, can't you? Um, welcome to episode 92 of Motorsport 101. I'm Andre Harrison. And as you've probably already guessed by now, um, who our guests are. First of all, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Yes, yes. Your former prime minister is here. <laughs> yes, know your place, peasant. Um <laughs> Uh, and in the blue corner, Scotland's finest, Miss Zoe Hamilton's back. Independence. <laughs> I don't know. This could this could this could be a this could be a very long show. Um, <laughs> St- Sturgeon up there. We, we, we've been hacked by Nicola Sturgeon. <laughs> um, but um, in the meantime, hi, hi guys. It's it's really nice to be back. I'm just just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, just, just to clear things up, I, I kind of explained it a little bit on last week's Bike Live, but just for the record, I had work conflicts for the last two weeks. Rotors were made that were not in the national interest. And um, unfortunately, as a result, I missed two consecutive shows. That will not be happening again. I think that's the first time I've ever missed two shows in a row. I don't think that's ever happened in the 92-episode history of this show. I don't, um, I don't so think, yeah, I'm pretty sure up until this point, neither you or me missed two shows in a row. Yeah, that's that, that's disgraceful. Like that, this cannot happen again. And I, 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 told, I phoned up my staffing manager and was very upset with her at this news. Um, but uh, it, it has been resolved. Um, bribes have been made under the table, and um, <laughs> I am, I am pleased to announce that I am back at least for the next two weeks. So uh, yay, you get to hear my voice again. Delightful. 
thanks to everybody that said that they sent me messages saying, "Oh yeah, Dre, where are you? We miss you," and all that good stuff. Like, uh, it, it's nice to know that I am still slightly appreciated around here, and that I don't infuriate everyone listening to this podcast at this point. I'm very grateful. <laughs> but um, good to be back, and thanks for all the well, for, thanks for all the kind messages and whatnot. It's 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 a pleasure. I, like, this is my baby. I do absolutely love doing this show, and um, it pains me if, if I miss one week, let alone two. So. Um, yeah, I chose a good I chose a good week to come back because apparently nothing of interest happened. What do you mean you guys don't agree with me? <laughs> <laughs> no? Uh, f- okay, fine. I, 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 I have to deal with all the shit, basically. Um, this is going to be fun, isn't it? I can tell already. So, let's get the formalities out of the way. Um, basically, you can find us. We're on motorsport101.net. Um, we're on youtube.com forward slash uh, motorsport101. And thanks to everyone for taking us over 150,000 video views. Thank you very much for that. We just had our 100th video um, early last week. We'll be talking about the Dre brief of, uh, of Andre Davizioso. And there is another Dre brief episode, a bonus episode up today. It went up today. You've probably already seen it if you're listening to this by now. But uh, it went up on Monday. It was a uh, it was a a short video talking about. Well, you can probably guess what clash it, um, we, we were talking about on that one. So thanks to everybody who's been watching that. Much appreciated. Uh, we are on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport One Hundred and One. Uh, we are on Twitter at uh, at at ugh, Motorsport underscore One Hundred and One. Got there in the end. And our personal Twitters are at Harrison One Hundred and One HD. At Ryan Eric King, at RJ O'Connell, who's sadly not here this week, and at Wee Zoe, who is um, who's, who's who's a delight. Um, she, she, she doesn't. She only talks about Dario like once a day. I promise. Um, it's it's well worth a follow. He needs to do an audio book of Jim Clark's book, and all the money goes to the Jim Clark Trust. Brilliant idea! Brilliant idea! You, you had to get that in, <laughs> yeah. didn't you? I tweeted about it this morning. <laughs> so. True, true, true. I'll let, I'll let you have that one. And yeah, if, if, if you want, if, if you really, really like us and you want to back us financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash 101. This is the final week where you can invest to be an early access backer and get early access to not just this show, but Bike Live as well for just $3 a month instead of 5 Shout out to new Patreon backer Matthew Powell that joined us today as well. Thank, shout out to you, sir. Thank you very much for backing us on Patreon. Um, also, by the way, just getting a quick plug in, you're going to want to listen to Bike Live this week. Um, Freaking fantastic MotoGP weekend, to say the least. A lot of takes to come out of that weekend at Aston, so stick around for that later this week as well. Um, but in the meantime, let's get into keeping it 101. Okay, it's it's back to keeping it 101, and uh, I guess for mine a little bit, I'm kind of talking about me catching up because I think the last time I was I, like I was on the podcast, I was going to be talking about the Monaco Grand Prix, and <laughs> and it's like <laughs> like we had Monaco in Canada since then, and like. <laughs> 
Monaco was great for obvious reasons. It was a masterclass. It, it, it was fantastic. Uh, Canada was um, not so much, <laughs> to say the least, but a, a, de- a decent comeback. And um, yeah, like, like King, like Kevin Durant's got an NBA championship now. It's great. Yeah, it's great. The the, the super team came through. <laughs> Yeah, like the the the, the bookies favorite, the the odds on bookies favorite. Like there were five to six at the start of the season. That that's how that's how much money had gone down. Then it's Golden State winning the NBA championship. I'm picking up a celebratory pair of their shoes in, in, in very similar colors tomorrow. It's going to be great. Um, thanks to my betting win, I'll talk about it a minute ago as well. Um, but yeah, like Golden State won the finals. Like, like King, like we like. Like, I don't know if there was, like, an air of inevitability talking about these playoffs, because I think we all just kind of knew it was going to be Golden State-Cleveland 3 in, in, in the end. Like, I don't think yeah. anybody really gave Boston a prayer on that one on the eastern side. No, like, uh, especially, it, I, that's probably, like, my least favorite part about the NBA. It's pretty much waiting for the finals, because we know who's going to be in the finals. Yeah, it's a shame because it, it wasn't really a very compelling playoffs until the finals came around, and even then, well... You know, Golden State did what they needed to do, really, and that was beat Cleveland in five. And it's a shame because I think Cleveland, I think, played a little bit better than the five games suggests. I think they definitely were, were close in games two and three. Um, they think they could, they certainly could have made a couple of games of it, especially on Golden State's turf. But um, like King, it's Kevin Durant's world, and we're living in it very only temporarily because we all know LeBron's still the guy, but like. Kevin Durant was amazing during these finals. <laughs> yeah, he's he's pretty much. I wouldn't say he's the best player in the NBA because I'd still say that's LeBron James. But man, yes, Kevin Durant put on a show. Kevin Durant and the rest of the Warriors put on a real show to take down LeBron. And it, when I mean take down LeBron, like just LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, nobody else really showed. Like Kyrie had a little bit of like game game three fun going on there, like. Like, Cleveland just didn't have all that much going for him, really, on this one. Like, besides LeBron, because LeBron is still a monster um, in every conceivable term. Kevin Durant averaged 35-9-5 and during the finals. Shot, like, I think something like 57% from the floor. Which is just... Like, like King, he was, I think, on 50-40-90 shooting all through the playoffs. Yes. It's just... It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, And it's... Like, I mean, King, are you one of those dudes that, like, like salty NBA basketball YouTube that just hates the fact that Kevin Durant joined a 73-win team to win a championship? Because I'm certainly not one of those uh, people. <laughs> I, I'm not mad that he did it. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm mad that we, that we have an NBA that could allow that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's an incredible set of circumstances that allowed this to happen. But, like, when you think about how it all came together, because... You know, Golden State stars of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green were all through the draft, and not particularly high draft picks no, either. No, they were not. I think, no, like Steph Curry was seven, I think. I think Clay Thompson was an eleventh pick, um, and I believe Draymond Green was thirty, thirty-two, thirty-five, something like that. He was definitely in the second round. So players that you don't normally think are going to be, you know, top ten, top twenty players in the NBA. When you're drafting them 7th, 11th, 35th, that sort of space. And then, like, on relatively cheap deals, because the cap was a lot smaller when they re-signed Clay Thompson and Draymond Green, and because Steph had ankle problems in the first half of his career to date, Steph was on a, was on a really cheap contract, like 11 million a year. 
So it like all these little perfect scenarios came together that they could able to, you know, they had enough money to get one guy on a max contract and it was Kevin Durant, who probably was a top three player in the league last year already. And you're putting him alongside three other ridiculously good players. And now you've got a big four in Golden State. It's just, it's insane. It's a bit like Manchester City and United coming together and saying, you know what, let's build a super squad. We'll be Team Manchester, we'll wear purple, and we'll take down Chelsea. It's, it's, it's just that level of ridiculous. Um, but congrats to them. Like, LeBron James was amazing. Uh, as he as he always is, but like just just, too much just weird tangent. I watched this YouTube yeah, video uh, on on Complex's YouTube channel where they go sneaker shopping yeah. and they bring a celebrity guest on, and yeah. they had a guest on this week. They had Ric Flair. Oh wow! Like if you Rick don't Flair? like if if you don't know anything about Ric Flair, Ric Flair, the, the you know sixteen time world champion wrestler, is also a basketball fan. Woo! And being from Charlotte, like. Michael Jordan is also from Charlotte. He's actually good friends with Michael Jordan. Even he says, like, he thinks uh, LeBron James is the greatest player of all time because uh, LeBron James is bigger than than Michael was, uh, taller, faster, just generally more athletic than Michael Jordan was. He, he admits not as good as a shooter, though, but pretty much his athleticism makes up for that. Interesting take. We got, we got we got a lot of LeBron versus Jordan takes during these finals and playoffs. I think it was to think it was to pad out the Boston series because nobody really cared, especially after Isaiah Thomas had to withdraw from the rest of the season through injury. It was all like, well, you know, if LeBron if LeBron, if LeBron wins his, his, his fourth <laughs> ring, is he is he is he better than Jordan? Like all the Fox Sports hot takes you could think of right there. Because Fox Sports loves a good hot take, even though <laughs> nobody watches them anymore. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, King, do you listen to Bill Simmons' podcast with Durant as well? Yeah, I listen to Bill Simmons' podcast. I love that, like, him, him and Durant are, like, best buddies. They've done three <laughs> of these now. Three podcasts with Kevin Durant. It's insane. Um, Bill Simmons is doing the Lord's work over there on the ringer. Um, their drop coverage, by the way, was fantastic like really really good stuff that kevin o'connor was fantastic for that as well covering the draft and you know um seeing markel fox go to philly and king my lakers got lonzo ball (laughs) the most predictable thing in the world it's like you just knew this was gonna happen as soon as i said two i was like yep that's lonzo i was like oh here we go i thought i thought la was gonna trade down to a lower pick because like lonzo ball lonzo and lamar ball pretty much said that they're only going to play in LA. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I was really, really hoping Magic Johnson was going to like call Lavar's bluff on this one, <laughs> to, like trade down, maybe take someone like Josh Jackson or maybe Malik Monk. Oh, or don't, don't like even that. don't even talk about trading down to get Josh Jackson. <laughs> well, he only went like down. Was he? Did he go like, number four in the end? Yeah, or three? He, he went. Yeah. He went three. Because the only reason I say that because my New York Knicks wanted to trade Kristaps Przingis for the number four pick of the draft to get Josh Jackson. Now, King, what did you tell me what was happening if, if, if Phil Jackson traded Kristaps Przingis? I was going to quit being a Knicks fan. <laughs> Burn! Like, we're going to have a video. Of, we're going to have a video of you burning your jersey in the back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna have him burn his very infamous Derrick Rose number 25. <laughs> I still remember. I still remember, like, the day of the draft, I got a haircut at the barbershop. And there you yeah. go. Any, any barbershop, we got a bunch of guys talking basketball in it. And, like, pretty much the talk is like, 
is Phil Jackson trying to get fired? <laughs> yeah, it's like trade, trying to trade for Chris Stapps is the, is the sort of thing you would do if you were trying to get fired. Like that, like, Phil, that'd be if like uh, Total Wolf is like, hmm... I, I I wonder if I could trade away Lewis Hamilton for Ferrari's entire engineering staff. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we, 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 you know, we, we, like, look, we're not going to re-sign Lewis Hamilton. We'll let him walk on the free agency. We're going to sign Nico Hulkenberg instead and see how that goes down. <laughs> Lewis just <laughs> isn't a good fit for the team. Yes, he performs well, but he just isn't a good fit. He's not a good leader. Okay? <laughs> we, we, we we need leadership. That's, that was Magic Johnson's. That was Magic Johnson's excuse for trading D'Angelo Russell to the Nets and oh then my. drafting Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Lonzo Ball, yeah. a leader, a, a leader of men who's not even like he's like completely whipped by his dad. He's <laughs> going to still be living at home while playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Yes. <laughs> My, my, my franchise is a mess. I love it. It's a beautiful, beautiful mess. My, but my hey, friend, at least... Yeah, at least you're not the Knicks. At least, at least we're not the Knicks. the Knicks. Because you know what we need? We need another video of Michael Rappaport going, Who the fuck did they do? <laughs> Who the fuck... Uh, who the fuck is Kingus Pingus? Uh, oh, yeah, we drafted but, that French point guard. Like, who, of course, got booed. Because, you know, if you didn't play college ball, you're getting booed. <laughs> As Rudy Gobert quite rightly puts on Twitter, it's like, yeah, the bus potential of like 59%. And I was like, well, if you don't play in America, of course you're going to have a high bus potential. No, no, I think, oh, I was, we were on a chat and I think I was watching it with, um, with Chris Cook. And, and Chris Cook was oh, like, God. who knows nothing about basketball? And pretty much was like, so he has like the highest superstar potential of anyone in the first round, but he also has the highest bus potential of anyone in the first round. How is that even possible? And that is Cook, who knows nothing about basketball. Even he, even he could smell analytical bullshit from a mile away. <laughs> Impressive. Impressive. But uh, congrats to Golden State. Uh, like, I, for those of us who don't know, Draymond Green is like my favorite basketball player, even though he plays for Golden State. So I'm happy for Draymond to get his ring. The guy is a psycho, but he's my kind of psycho. Um, so congrats to them. Um, hopefully Lonzo Ward doesn't set our franchise on fire. That would be nice. Um, King, apparently you've been digging into the Autosport archives. Yes, yes. As a part of my subscription with Autosport Magazine. Actually, like almost all motorsport magazines do this, where if you get a subscription, you get full access to their archive online, which is, you know, a nice thing to actually hmm. be subscribed to a yeah, magazine. Nice. Yeah. So, early 2000s, uh, the only headline on this, because I think it was pulled directly from the magazine, there isn't really a headline, it's just exclusive, where uh, uh-huh. Autosport got a document sent to all the teams about what the FIA wanted to do with Formula One after the 2002 season. Yep. So, off the, so this is off the 2002, so Schumacher had just won his, his fifth world title, and his, his, his third on the bounce. Ferrari just won their fourth straight constructors title. So they were getting really sick of Ferrari's shit at this point, basically. Um, so what was the what was the nine point plan that the FIA had in process to try and make F one more exciting? Okay, <laughs> well, point one is pro- by far the craziest one. I wouldn't say it's the most interesting, but it's the craziest one. <laughs> How crazy are we talking here? Okay, I'm just gonna start off first sentence. Drivers competing in the FIA Formula One World Championship will no longer be contracted to a team. Huh? Oh, is this when they were going to have them swap teams? 
Yes. Oh, God. Drivers, I remember. Dri- <laughs> yes, drivers wishing to compete will submit an application to the FIA, which will select drivers each year for the championship on the basis of one for each car entered. So assuming there are 10 teams, there'll be 20 drivers in the championship. For the first 10 races, each of the drivers in the championship will race for one team, and that'll be de- determined by a lottery. After 10 races... Uh, the drivers will pick which team they race for. So if you're first in the championship, you get first pick. Second in the championship, second pick. Yeah, and you're picking that based on a lottery for the first half of the season. Yes. Like, can, can you imagine, like, in, in 2003, if, like, Yano Trilli was leading the championship because he, he got pulled into, like, a Ferrari or a McLaren, and he'd have first pick, and he if that happened, he'd probably have a world championship. That's crazy. Yeah. That is absolutely ridiculous. But they also oh, they dear. they also like started thinking about some clauses like each team will have a test driver who will not participate in the championship except to replace a scheduled driver in case of you know the driver can't compete for some reason. Okay, that that, that, that makes some sense. Okay, but I mean it's uh like just the FIA from a sporting view, both the drivers' championship and the constructors' championship are flawed because a mediocre driver can win in an outstanding car and vice versa. I mean, I've never, how- I've, I've never seen the vice versa before. I've never seen an outstanding driver win in a mediocre car before. Well, like, like Fernando Alonso clearly took that ball and ran with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, Damon Hill almost won in an arrow once. I mean, win it, win a championship True. in an arrows? Never. True. He almost won a race. Yes, yeah, so he almost won a race. Oh dear. <laughs> that's that's yeah, just yeah. point one, guys. <laughs> What do you mean there's eight more of these? <laughs> um, <laughs> two, they wanted to change the qualifying system. So the qualifying system in place at the time was um, an hour on Saturday and then uh, two 30-minute, uh, which was, you know, split into two 30-minute sessions on Friday and Saturday with, you know, aggregate qualifying. Oh, God. Didn't didn't they actually have that for a year or two in the end? Uh, no, no, no. That's, that's what they had. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they did. I remember that. They, they, they had the qualifying session on a Friday. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That's the first time I actually cared about F1 on a Friday when I was a young and Like, um, yeah, I was like, like, like we Dre was like, oh, so like Fridays are actually serious now? Okay. <laughs> so basically, yeah. uh, they wanted to do the same thing, but shorten it from an hour session on each day to a half an hour se- session on each day. And you only got a maximum of eight laps. <laughs> Ooh, Okay. Yikes. Eight laps in 30 minutes. Okay. Interesting. Yep. So it was basically to ensure that everyone ran on the Friday, like, instead of just waiting for, like, the tail end of the session and put down a hot lap and just park it. Yeah, we we want more cars on circuit, basically. And, uh, three, the tires. They wanted, uh... They wanted an option compound, which we eventually got. So, <laughs> so yeah, so wasn't that 2009 we finally yeah, got that? Yeah, 2009 we got option compounds. So, yeah, they wanted, they wanted an, extra, an extra soft compound. Um, did, they call it the, did they call it the sticker reds by any chance? No? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, yeah, each tire company would be permitted, because they had multiple companies back then, permitted to continue yep. to supply a maximum of two type of dry tire to each competing team. 
but with freedom to supply different types of tires to, to different teams. So basically, back then, yes, they had different compounds, but a team could only pick one compound for the weekend. <laughs> oh, so do you want the soft tire or the hard tire? Mm-hmm. Now you can have basically. both. <laughs> nice. Unless it's a Peretti 2016 <laughs> hard tire, in which case, no, you can't have that. It's, it's kind of pointless. Mm-hmm. Next one, King? Uh, point four, a handicap. They wanted to introduce oh, no. a handicap formula. So basically, they would add uh, one kilogram to the car for every point scored by the car. Oh, Lord. That, that 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 could have easily gotten out of hand quite quickly if one team was really good. Yeah, if one like, team was really good, like uh, they that's like they wanted to prevent you know a team running away with the championship. But again, like I I could see how it worked, but having something like that where it's like the cars are progressively getting slower throughout the season, guys. I didn't think we think th- I didn't think we thought this the whole way through. All would happen yeah, is when you got to that point where you'd swap cars, the person in that lead car will right. I'm going to this team. Why? Because I've got nothing weighing it down. <laughs> yes, yes. Welcome to the 2003 Japanese Grand Prix. It's the final round of the championship. Ferrari are starting from pole despite having 178 kilos of ballast. <laughs> like good, good luck trying to find enough space on the car to fit 178 kilos of ballast. I'm like, can you imagine that? Like, just just stick an anchor on the on the back of their car, basically. Yeah, and just and. Also, weird point. There's technically ten points. There's like a four and a half point, which they didn't, which either they forgot to number or didn't care about. That oh, okay. they wanted to cut costs. That was the non-point. Oh yeah, well, we'll, we'll throw in an arbitrary <laughs> measure to cut costs in there. We'll, we'll we'll get back to that one later. It's next. Like, no. Yeah, they wanted to cut costs without uh, reducing the technical challenge of Formula One or the spectacle. But it's, um, it's like yeah, we're going to cut costs, but. Every team is going to have to make sure their car is adaptable for all the drivers' heights. Oh and that's not how that's not how this works, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, we'll have to make sure we can fit every car, every driver into the seat, because <laughs> you're going to have what to you, plan what, uh, all that before the lottery. Yeah, yeah. Like for some reason, I feel like they knew that they weren't going to get the lottery in. That they're pretty much okay. We're we're gonna, we're gonna highball them. We're gonna just like we're gonna start with this and then just negotiate our way from there. The the known Max Mosley negotiation <laughs> tactic: uh, start ridiculously high and work down to what you actually wanted. Um, okay, basically. okay. It wasn't a non-point. It was to explain the points after this. So every point after this is gonna be cost cutting. Okay, that makes a lot more sense now. Oh, yeah, right. This right, this right. this is terribly formatted. <laughs> What do you mean I have to build a car for six foot two, Mark Webber? <laughs> no. It's not fair. Screw and, that, fam. And five foot two, Kumasato. <laughs> <laughs> not now, Sato. Um, sorry, I had to get that one in. Yeah, next one. <laughs> okay, point five, testing, which they eventually did. No private testing on any circuit where a Formula One World Championship event is not run. Okay, so in other words, you could only test on a track that was on the calendar. Yeah. And okay. you can't test for more than 12 days between uh, the 28th of February and November 1st. So during the season, no more than 12 di- test days. Do filming days count? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Okay, fair enough. Interesting. Okay, point six. Engines. Uh, Uh-oh. 
So for eventually by the 2004 season, they wanted to only run a single season for the entire year. A single engine for the whole year. Yes. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, I think um, I can hear um, Hodge stopping in the distance. <laughs> yeah, so eventually but, they wanted to get a single a single engine season. So, uh, so next season they were like, okay, we want one engine to last four four races. Then the season after that, one engine for a half season. Then the season after that, one engine for the whole season. Um, I admire the ambition. Well, I really do, but wasn't this back in an era of F1 whenever guys were going through, like, three engines a weekend? Yes. <laughs> like, um, that's quite the contrast. I'm just saying. Like, that's that's pretty crazy. Uh, they also wanted, uh, yeah, 0.7 mechanical components. They wanted uh, a bunch of key components to last a specific... Uh, like a specified number of races, so your gearbox had to run like a certain last a certain amount of races, as well as like uh, components within the chassis had to last a certain number of races. Which, outside the power unit, we still don't have. Yeah, that's 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 a lengthy one. Um, again, we're not quite there yet with reliability on these parts. Like fifteen years later, which kind of says <laughs> really. um, it's like Honda. It's like, are we really pushing the bounds of technology in Formula One when we still don't have these things we were talking about 15 years ago? Nope, we're playing catch up again. Uh, any other funny cost-cutting stuff, King? Uh, there. Yeah, last two points. Point eight: bodywork. They only wanted. They basically wanted to go to an IndyCar style of bodywork. What we have in IndyCar today, where we, where you have only. Two sets of bodywork that you have to homologate at the start of the year, so you have a high downforce and low downforce. Ah, that would have been interesting. Um, yeah, obviously. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like okay, today. So... Today in Formula One is pretty much the bodywork is for each track. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, forcing teams to have a high and a low downforce setup and then sticking with it for the whole year that would have certainly opened some doors competitively. Like if a team had a really good. Like low down four set up the faster circuits, they could be a lot quicker. That was that could certainly open the doors for some people. That'd be very interesting. And mm. po- last point, point number nine: standardized parts. Some of the parts on this list have been standardized. Like uh, we do have a standard ECU now, thank God. We don't yep. have we don't have standard brakes. Oh no! Which is like <laughs> like some some of the Haas team is crying their eyes out <laughs> at this news. And Grosjean more like. <laughs> Grosjean is like on the brink of just like quitting F1 and retiring to live in the Alps because of how bad these brakes are in the Haas team. Return so, to a bank. So, have the so what were they aiming for to have standardized, King? Apart from the ECU, obviously. Uh, <laughs> basically, yeah, ECU, uh, standard brakes, and that was pretty much the only things on this list. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought we were going to get a nice, long, healthy list. No, just two bits. No, just yeah. two bits. <laughs> Electronics and brakes. Everything else is up to you, pretty much. Which is basically MotoGP now. We're like, like, that's basically what it is now on two wheels: standardized computers and standardized brakes, pretty much. Yeah, but like, board. pretty much, they thought that uh, like the standardized bodywork would be the silver bullet for cost cutting, because pretty much you have to homologate your bodywork by the start of the season. And I think they also said that uh, you could change the homologations uh, about. Uh, just before the summer break 
So pretty much you lock down any re like any R and D you could do into like six months block in six month blocks. So you can't get like constant development through every race of the year. Right, I see. I see. I see, I see where you're coming from. Uh, so, so, like, King, why did this never catch on? <laughs> uh, because the teams who were, for the most part, almost entirely manufacturers at this point in time did not like True. this idea. <laughs> like, if you brought up this list today, you'd probably get most of this stuff through. Well, for Mercedes, who don't, who don't like fun. Um, but yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I keep forgetting about it. Like back then, we had teams like Toyota, we had BMW in F1, we had those were fun times, weren't they? We, had, we had Ford in F1. <laughs> we had yeah, we did, didn't we? We had Ford. No, it was Jaguar. Yeah, it was under the brand Jaguar, but the Ford Motor Company ran it. Like yeah. Graham Rahal was. I mean, no, Bobby Rahal was the principal. <laughs> I, I was gonna. Like, how young would he have been back then? Like he's, he's still been in nappies. Like holy shit. So yeah, that was a very intriguing list there. Like it's, it's just, I still find it funny that the FIA was trying so hard to bring down Schumacher after 2002, and hey, it very nearly worked the year afterwards. 2003 was such a competitive and close season that it went down to the wire. I think that last race, I think three teams could have still won the constructors that day. And, uh, yeah, we had factory teams and everything. It was great. Um, I miss those days. <laughs> now it's, I don't. It's, I don't. <laughs> I, I do a little bit. Like, it, it was, like, it's the kid in me. I can't help it. But, like, they weren't they weren't the best of times either. Let's put it that way. Um, but, yeah, that will just about do it for keeping it 101. I'm going to resist from, from the urge of, to, to, to poke Zoe into ranting about Scottish rugby. Calm down, Zoe. Calm down. Breathe. Worst like for Breathe. the world, we could have been fourth. And I'm not touching the lines. Should we poke a king? No! Should we poke a little bit? Yep. Okay. And yeah. So we'll leave Zoe alone to fester on her thoughts on Scottish rugby. And we'll get into the main event of the evening. Dot, dot, dot. Drum roll. Dramatic pause. The IndyCar Grand Prix of Road America. Ha! Gotcha. Didn't see that coming, did Save the, the, the meat and potatoes for a later on in the show this week. Just, just for shits and giggles, basically. So we're going to talk about IndyCar first. And um, King, as the Imperial Army led led their rebellion towards Road America with a Penske like, lockout of the first two rows, of course, Scott Dixon won. <laughs> yes, of course Scott Dixon wins. <laughs> Yeah, like 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 that's like this surprises no one at this point. It's like Scott Dixon just does Scott Dixon things. Like, it does surprise us though, because he yeah, never wins like, here. Yeah, he never wins here. It's true because it's a powered he, track. Like it's not like this is not like a track that's like yeah you need to save fuel. No. Yeah, it's a, it's a power track, and a lot of the race boiled down to fuel strategy. Um, and we know we all know that Scott Dixon is the undisputed king of fuel strategy. We all know that he has got mythical powers where he, ha- where he somehow finds a way to save fuel and still be ridiculously fast. 
like it's it's like a magic elixir that no one will ever be able to find out. It's it's very strange and weird, but it actually finds a way to make it work. <laughs> like I still um, I still remember watching him talk his way through a lap of of Mid Ohio, which is coming up later on the calendar, and he's yes. And they're going through the S's at Mid Ohio, and every like other drivers are like, "Oh, you, you break here, then you accelerate out of the corner here," and then, and Scott just like, "No, I just let off the gas and just just let the car just go through, the, just go through it." Brakes? Who need brakes? I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing Wipeout. Just 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 side shift into the corner, you'll be fine. Um, that that saves me like at least half a gallon a lap. Um, so yeah, like it was. It was a race where Penske was comfortable, but Dixon was picking a couple of guys off. Willpower had to, you know, move back through the field a little bit early on because he, he was done for blocking. Um, I think it was on Alex Rossi. He was, was eventually the guy that got him the one the one position drop um, for basically chop blocking him one too many times. Um, it was weird, King, because like, I, 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 I appreciate the fact that IndyCar was trying to stamp out some of this stuff. But some of them got away with it. Like, 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 how did Helio get away with that one on 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 Dixon? Did you see that one where he just just he just sideswipes him in yeah. the breaking zone towards turn three? I it, thought that was ridiculous. It's it's hard to officiate blocking at Road America because the road course is so narrow. <laughs> it is it is a narrow one, and it's like because we saw it all the time where like, okay, is this a block where where he's basically turned in, he's claimed the corner, got the apex, and he's he's the entire width of the track. Um, and the other guys run off the road and onto the rumble strips. It happened like all through the race, and like it was, it was questionably, you know, officiated. To, uh, I think I'll be kind and say that one. It was, it was. Uh, some of them were questionable, but uh, Ray Hall got done for one early on, and Power was sent back to fifth place because of one on Alex Rossi. He was running on a four-stop strategy, so he was. Um, higher up the field only early going because of the fuel. They were looking for cautions that never really came, unfortunately. He just just, just the one. He swapped every stop yep. by the end. Yeah, exactly. They all, they, all, they all got off that off sequence towards the end of the race because they, they threw in their talent. That was, they just didn't get enough yellow to make it work, really. But um, in the end, like we'll, we'll, we'll cover the main guys at the top first. Dixon, you know, was just picking his way off like like one at a time, pretty much going through the Penske's and then. I, I like King. Did you, like, did you see the tremendous outside pass he put on Joseph Newgarden in turn one? Yes. <laughs> like round the outside of Newgarden into turn one. Brilliant. Like, like Newgarden did one to his own teammate about ten laps prior, uh, which was great. And then like Dixon was like, "Hold my beer, watch this," <laughs> and uh, he, he did the exact same thing to Newgarden a few laps on. And um, towards the end of the race, it, it, t- like, it turned into a, a, a straight dogfight between Dixon and Anakin Newgarden for the win. Um, and again, like Dixon, Dixon, like, this, this whole race weekend like reeked of Scott Dixon in the sense of just an impeccably well-managed Grand Prix. In the sense of like he had 10 seconds less push to pass than Newgarden did. But he still found a way to force Newgarden down to zero. <laughs> you had um, Joseph made that mistake towards the start of the last lap, and that was kind of you. He, he kind of moved there, and then that was it. It was, it was over. Dixon yeah, was going to run much. away and go. Hey, Mike! Happy twenty-five years at Ganassi. Yeah, Mike Hall celebrating his 25th anniversary with the team, and uh, I, b- I believe their 40th win together as partners, um, Dixon and Mike Hall as well, so we'll get to that in a minute yeah, as well. Yeah, because but... besides one win in cart, Dixon, all 40, 
all other 40 of Dixon's win came in the IndyCar series where he was, you know, partners with, with Mike Hall. That's our Scotty. And, uh, yeah, as he said, he, he beat Newgarden over the line by just half a second. In the, 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 Newgarden, despite the last lap error, really did have a, a, an exceptional rest of the other, like, rest of the lap to catch him back up again. Just half a second between them going over the line. Mm-hmm. But it was Dixon that came out on top over Joseph and Newgarden in second place. And, uh, Zoe, what do we make of Newgarden's new hair? Did, like, it, important questions being asked on this podcast. Uh. He does it every year, so I don't know why I'm like annoyed anymore. <laughs> am, I, am I here just to rate hairstyles or something? <laughs> well, this is Motorsport 101, the home of great hair mascots. True. I mean, you know, the boot fits, right? IndyCar has He's a lot of sh- great hair. As long as they don't chop it, it off. Or stick over like, ridiculous amounts of hair gel in it. Well, <laughs> we here approve of certain hairstyles and others we don't, but we'll get we'll get into that later. But um, yeah, I, 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 King, are you a fan of the uh, the buzz cut on on, on Newgarden? Yeah, that's that's pretty much what I do. I just let my hair grow out and chop it all off. <laughs> <laughs> King is going full new garden here, folks. He's going. He, like, do, do, do you walk into the barbershop and say, "Yeah, yeah, please give me the full new garden, <laughs> short back and sides." Want a picture of him? I want this. <laughs> it's, it's no, it's like, it's like, like, like King walks in there and he goes, "Like, okay, so like, Bubba goes, what do you need?" And then Bar- and King goes, "I want to be able to defeat Freezer." <laughs> and the barber goes, "Barber goes, say no more." <laughs> nah, nah, I walk into the barbershop and be like. I want a Penske ride. <laughs> Hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> so yeah, Dixon takes the win. His forty-first IndyCar victory, as you probably already guessed by counting already, which puts him just one behind the great Michael Andretti. Um, yeah, it's it's, yeah. A, it's a small group of people at the top, and Dixon is now in that group where I think yeah, AJ Foyt's on sixty. 67 career wins, that's that's the record. Then second is Mario at 52. And then third is Michael at 42. I mean, Dixon's what? I think 38 now? Yeah. Like, just how high up that list could he end up? I like Because the thing about IndyCar, one of its greatest weapons is the fact that it is so unpredictable and that anyone can win. Dixon is 36. He's 37 next month. Like... How high up could he get, I wonder? Uh, I, I don't know, because, like, the last time Dixon won a race was last year at Watkins Glen. Yeah, this is his first win of the season, which is kind of weird for Scott Dixon, but it's Casey Hargett. Quite... In 11 races as well. <laughs> yeah. How did we get eight different winners through the first ten rounds and none of them were Scott Dixon? How is that possible? <laughs> That's bonkers to me. Like, the, 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 that's the thing. But, yeah, like you said, nine with different winners so far this season in only 11 rounds. And Dixon, like, like as Katie Hargett quite rightly points out, Dixon is the kind of guy that turns it up in the second half of the season. And this was this was a Scott Dixon masterclass. It really was. Just, just vintage Dixon. Just saves fuel, runs a little bit longer, has the pace to be able to win, and not a single Penske had an answer for him. Uh, but I, uh, at the start of this year, I thought another driver was actually going to catch Dixon on the all-time list. And who was who, who, who did you reckon that was going to be? Power? No, no, just five behind... Well, then it was only four behind, but now five behind Dixon, sixth all-time, Sebastian Bourdais. 
You you really thought Borde was gonna rack up like that many wins? Or like, did, did St. Pete fill you with that much hope? Yes, St. Pete filled me with hope. His 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 oval speed gave me hope. Job, <laughs> sure, the Indy 500 pace was so strong oh. as, as well. It's all the more sad that Seb's not with us. He could still be right back. He's, deter he's determined. If the doctors say it's okay, he'll come back for like the last race of the season if it comes down to it. The man's a nutter. I don't care what anyone tells me. Seb Bourdais is a nutter. But um, if he makes it back then when he's allowed to go, then, you know, more power to he's him, I suppose. But, uh... I mean, you should be surprised. He's from Le Mans. <laughs> no, he, he's ridiculous. It's just, it's, it's just what Scott, it's just what Seb Bourdais does, really. Yeah, get more soon, Seb, of course. Continued well wishes towards him on his recovery. It was nice that they uh, put a message on the video screen of him at, at Le Mans. Um, and I, I didn't talk about that, obviously, because I wasn't on last week. But that was a nice little touch before Le Mans went off last week. But, uh, yep, Dixon taking a win. And Penske, two, three, four, and five. Um, <laughs> like... King, if you're Roger, who wasn't at the race this weekend, but if you're Roger, like, how annoyed are you going to be at finishing second, third, fourth, and fifth? <laughs> you know, you know what Roger's like. <laughs> yes. Like on any on any other measure, this would be a really good day for the team because you, you got four out, you got all your cars in the top five, but you got beaten by Nixon, who's now got like a thirty-four point lead in the championship. It's like, oh no, <laughs> like. Okay, give me any other winner but Scott Dixon. <laughs> yes. What do you mean Dixon won? <laughs> Damn, I wanted Sato in the League of the Championship. <laughs> yeah, he's catchable. Like Dixon's Dixon. You know, he's 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 Dixon. He's really good. Uh, like this could be a problem. And um, yeah, this kind of says it already. New Garden, the best of the rest in second. Helio Castro Neves in third. Who King still has? Magnificent hair. <laughs> he does indeed. Um, he celebrated his 50th um, pole position in IndyCar um, to start the weekend. But, of course, Helio didn't win because it's Helio. He can't win. It's, it's, just, it's, it's the new tradition now, King. Helio cannot win, but he will still finish in the top five, like, constantly, like, probably finish top four overall because he's Helio. <laughs> Mr. Consistent. <Yes. coughs> yeah, Mr. Consistency himself. Um, consistent in his hair and on the racetrack. But, uh, yeah, he, he opened this tank up a little bit too much in the first stint and never really recovered um, as as Newgarden went for the overcut. And, yeah, Helio just didn't have an answer for Joseph in the second part of the race. It didn't help that um, he went in a lap early by accident. It, it was an accident. Yes, so I didn't know yes. that. He, he thought the team told him to come in. And, in fact, they'd said one more lap. Or something like that. Oh. Or something like that. Oh, hell yeah, no. <laughs> oh, dear. Another minor Penske pit stop gaffe, I suppose, then. Um, but, say, you know, I think he'll still take a third. Apparently, he actually suffered a bit of dehydration after the race. So, luckily, he's okay with that one because a uh, bit of a near miss for Helio on that one. Like, I think the power had come out of his hair for a bit, but... Uh, Luckily, they were able to get that going again, and he was able to continue. Simon Pagano in fourth. Very quiet race for Simon. Uh, hey, King, like, what's up with your mans? Yeah, <laughs> just keeping calm, just making sure he's getting good performances in because he's still second in the championship. All those top fives, all the top fives from Simon Pagano. Like, 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 I've lost count of how many top fives Pagano has had this season. I'm going to look this up really quickly here. I think it's I think eight. It, I think it's yes, eight. Yes, it's eight. Eight. It's top fives, and the fi yeah. he hasn't even had a top yep. ten. It's all been top fives. 
<laughs> so yep. yep, eight out of ten in the top five. Yep, well, well, well spotted, folks. Well spotted. Yep, Simon Pagano still just sticking around there, and Will Power King, who was aggressive, to say the <laughs> aggressive, <laughs> aggressive. A lot of blocking again. Like I said, he, he got he got knocked down a place for uh, uh, for for blocking on Alexander Rossi on the four stop strategy in the early going didn't quite work out. Uh, moving down the field a little bit, uh, we'll get to that. I'll just rest of it in a minute. But um, there was only, I think, two cautions. King, was it one or two? I think it was two, it wasn't was it? Two, yeah, two. Two, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one each. Yeah. So first up, uh, Takuma Sato, who's determined to bring back the catchphrase. Like, like we, we've retired <laughs> it on the show, but he seems to be going out of his way to try and bring it back. Bless him. Um, but uh, just lost it through the kink and um, put a wheel on the grass and you know eloquently spun, stalled um, the car through the, stalled the car was able to get it going again and Sato was, did actually go on to finish the race, but it, of course that brought out a caution which pretty much forced everybody back onto the free stop strategy. The four stoppers were pretty much lost out big big on that one. And guess but who Sato, didn't have to save fuel anymore? <laughs> who could that be, King? None other than Scott Dixon. <laughs> God damn it! <laughs> oh dear. So yeah, like of course when, when it when it rains and when it comes to good luck, it pours for Scott Dixon. Um, so yeah, Takuma Sato bringing out the first caution, forcing the, the four stoppers back onto the three effectively, and the second one was with Tony Kanan. So in in the late going, I think about ten laps to go or so. Um, he was in a fight with Alex Rossi. Um, shout out to Iowa last year when those two went went to war. It was another one, and it it looked like they made contact there, King. And I think Tony lost a good chunk of his end plate on the front wing, and that's what caused him to to just drift straight into the wall past the King. It seems. Yeah, he didn't have enough downforce for the flat out King. Mm-hmm. Not that he realized it until it was way too late. <laughs> way but... too late. Luckily, he was okay. I think he had the wind knocked out of him a little bit, but uh, you know what? So Tony Kanan is made of iron. So because yeah, um, he, um, he missed like he missed the the tire wall by like about a foot and went straight into the concrete. Of course, <laughs> sods law and all that. But um, like Zoe, like Tony Kanan didn't fight Alex Rossi after the race. No, well. On um, IndyCar Radio, he said he wasn't going to talk to him, he wasn't going to listen to him. And then after the race itself, um, Alex basically came out with the apology to Tony Canani. He didn't mean to, like, race like that. He didn't expect that to happen. And that seems to be it. Everything's fine. Because we are mature in IndyCar. We're mature. We, we we don't engage in fisticuffs. Like we are, we 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 sound out our differences, and then we all hug it out, and we move on to like, the next whoa, round. Whoa, 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 whoa! When we engage, when we, when we threaten fisticuffs in, in IndyCar, they're actually fisticuffs. We don't just threaten it, and then just yeah. nothing happened. Uh-huh. Unless unless your uncle Ed, uh, <laughs> Uncle Ed will just condescendingly berate you. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll or, um, or you'll have Will declare you a princess. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But uh, shout out to Ed Carpenter, who, who was actually working out the fuel mileage in the back for Ed Carpenter racing this weekend, because the man usually does it. I believe his wife was due to give birth any any hour. So uh, Ed Carpenter filled in. God bless Uncle Ed. Yeah, top, cl- <laughs> top class boss. Top class boss. Like the man. He's not, like, who doesn't love a manager that's willing to get their hands a bit dirty? <laughs> God bless Ed Carpenter. But... Um, We'll run down the grid, uh, uh, the result, just right now, and then I'll, I'll get into my little extra bonus topic of the week. 
But uh, yeah, as mentioned, Scott Dixon winning at Road America, his first win of the season, 30, 41st all time, just one behind Michael Andretti. Don't tell Zoe too many times she might start crying. Um, Joseph Newgarden second, Henrik Nevers in third, Simon Pagano fourth, Will Power fifth. King, do we have to upgrade his nickname again? Because Charlie Kimball was sixth. Uh, <laughs> nah, just just give it a race. Next race is Iowa. Yeah, yeah. One more round. God damn him, Kimball. <laughs> Kimball Pimble in sixth place. Well done to him. Ed Jones continuing his fantastic rookie season in seventh place. Another really strong result. Um, also, by the way, love the Chicago Bears helmet he had for the weekend. Very, very nice indeed. Um, for, for the Bears, very cool. Yeah, um, it was Graham... it was actually a Walter Payton helmet because Walter Payton was formerly a co-owner at Dale Coin Racing. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Good shout out to Ed Jones. Where where to get him with the company man right there? Um, Graham Rahal in eighth, who was a bit aggressive early on. Um, was Doctor place for blocking? Was able to continue. Decent eighth place for Rahal. Max Chilton in the top ten. Maximum Chilton in ninth place. Good result from him. Michaela Ocean in tenth, who missed out on a day's running because after Le Mans he was held down in France because the immigration department wasn't happy. Um, no visa. So guess who filled in for, for the first day? Another IndyCar swapsies for Robert Wickens, who who did Friday practice. And Zoe, wasn't he quite good? Yeah. Like on the Friday, he done not bad. I mean, he wasn't like it wasn't like fast as a roll, but he done not bad. Pretty sure if he had, he would have qualified not badly for um, Michaela if he. No, it wouldn't even encourage you because you'd be put to the back anyway. Yeah, well, yeah. you got you got to get in where you can fit in, I suppose. Um, but uh, yeah, shout out to Robert Wickens for filling in for Mikhail. I think SPM were very, very appreciative of Robert filling in um, for, the, for the, on the Friday. Mikhail, good. Re- Is that Mikhail's best result of the year so far? Tenth place. Uh, tenth I wonder. Place? No, he has a. Where did he finish? Six. I think it was Detroit race one. He finished six. Yeah, I see. My bad. Like that's, that's a bit. That's a bit high up for, for Mikhail, isn't it? Um, uh, speaking of high up, uh, yeah, go, go on, sorry. Well, considering he only had sixteen laps, <laughs> yeah, which sixteen was basically laps. his brief bit of um, uh, like qualify um, qualifying in the morning warm yeah. up, and he came impressive. Before the race, he was yeah. asleep in the car. <laughs> The motorhome, because he was still knackered from, uh, like, doing the, the flight and then, like, driving straight to the track. I still remember his little, what was it, was it on Instagram, his Instagram story, where it's like, it's like, my bags aren't here yet, but then he pans the outside of his car and points at the side, but I'm at Road America. <laughs> no, he had his helmet. Yeah. He said, the only thing that matters was I have my helmet. <laughs> yes. You gotta hold on to the important things in life, like your helmet. Michael Ocean in tenth place. Uh, a nice run in for the AJ Foyt guys. Carlos Munoz in eleventh place. Um, good result from him. Spencer Piggott in twelfth place. Who I found out during the Indy driver profile is a big Manchester United fan. Yes. So shout out to Spencer Piggott, <laughs> my second, my new second favorite Indy car driver. Also, let's go, Spigot. Doing the, the doing the keepy uppy and the Indy five hundred. Yeah. Makes sense. It all makes sense now. He's a big, he's a, he's a soccer dude. That's so cool. <laughs> Go Spencer Piggott. Like he's my new second favorite indie car driver. Alex Rossi in thirteenth place. Not such a good weekend from him. Hunter Ray in fourteenth, who basically was batshit crazy for the second <laughs> half of the Grand Prix. 
Um, Zoe, what's wrong with your mans? What do you mean what's wrong with my mans? He's one. He's one of. He's your, he's the king of the Andrettis right now. Tell like, what's wrong with your mans? He's well, not well, the king of the Andrettis. Sartre's the king of the Andrettis right now. Yeah. On a technicality. Andrettis ahead of Ryan Hunter Ray. Yeah, uh, huh? Hunter Ray's uh. the last of the Andrettis right now. <laughs> How is this possible? <laughs> because when Marco finishes, he good. When he doesn't have things go wrong, he does well. Twice a year. <laughs> but what happened with his car, King? <sighs> oh, damn. He got, he got front wing damage. I, th- I, I I don't even remember how he got front wing damage. I know what happened after he got front wing damage. He clipped it. Was, um, was it he bumped with Tony Canaan before Tony Canaan bumped with Alexander Rossi? I, I think it was before I think it was before his accident before Kanan went out he uh-huh. uh, he bumped into he bumped into Kanan. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, and 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 that, and that led to um to Zoe that, that led to his uh, to his wife being quite salty about the whole thing. Yes, oh, and they find tweet. You, you sent you sent it to me on Twitter, and I, I'm on the other account now, so I can't I can't find it quickly, but okay, um. Go on. Wait. Dramatic. <laughs> dr- dramatic pause. I'm so sick of drivers hitting Ryan and benefiting from when it's his... Well, let me start again. <laughs> I'm so sick of drivers hitting Ryan and benefiting from it while his car bits are all over the track. Angry face. Oh, 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 right. <laughs> Look at that salt. Is it, is it Becky Hunter, yes. right, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh dear. Like, congratula- yeah. C- congratulations, Becky. You've taken Emma Davies Dixon's award for saltiest indie car partner of the week. Um, <laughs> I'm, sh- I'm sure Emma will claim it back sometime that Scott Dixon has some shit luck in a Grand Prix because he was, because she was salty as hell dur- during, during Texas. We all saw that one, didn't we? Um, like, like, did, like, didn't, like, didn't she call Sato a lunatic after Texas? Yes, yes. she called Sato a lunatic, lunatic, and then people pointed out, yeah, you call her Sato, but you didn't see anything about Jay Howard. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 where's the consistency here? Like, wh- like, why haven't you roasted Jay Howard yet? Mr. I think Indy 500 is like riding a bicycle and then, then ends up being three laps down. <laughs> As he do. But, um, yeah, rest of the field. Connor Daly in 15th. Pretty wretched weekend from him, apparently. Just an awful, awful weekend for Daly. Uh, apparently, he's withheld why on Twitter. Um, but uh, Daly was very salty about this weekend. And it's, it's hard not to blame him, really. J.R. Hildebrand in 16th. Esteban Gutierrez in 17th place. Marco Andretti in 18th, who had a stuck throttle for a, a, a throttle that was j- seemingly jammed open um, and that, throughout pet, the race. And limiter wasn't working either, so he got a drive-through penalty at the start of the race as well after his first pit stop. Yep, Zoe, come get your man's. Um, like I, 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 this, at this point, I recommend you just beat Michael Andretti over there with, with a Snapple can <laughs> repeatedly. And until you get Marco a decent car, because he, because me and King put him in our fantasy teams, and yep. like, he, like Mark, Marco completely shit the bed for us. Thanks a bunch, Marco. Or thanks, as I say, thanks a bunch, Andretti, for building him a crap car this weekend. <laughs> to be fair, it's a bit better because previously, the last time we had a really good qualifying, 
the electronics didn't work and he, was, he ended up starting to feel that down. So at least he started to do everyone else. That, like, that's the positive you're taking from this? I tried. You're so, <laughs> you're so clutching at straws here, it's unbelievable. Spl- split those fringe hairs, I've though. I've been here since 2006. It's like... Yeah, well, again, it's a day that ends in Y after all. Um, Takuma Sato in 90, if he was able to get it going again after that spin. James Hinchcliffe, who drove into the side of Will Powell's car and broke his steering arm. You plonker. James, what are you doing? (laughs) You wanker. And Tony Kanan, who finished in dead last after taking himself out at the kink. Um, And obviously Rossi kind of collided with with him a little bit on that one. So yeah, no fights on this one. Uh, a quick check at the IndyCar overall leadership, uh, overall leaders right now. Scott Dixon has extended his championship lead now to 34 points on 379 over Simon Pagano's 345. Hedio Castro in third now on 342. Ahead of Takuma Sato now on 323. Newgarden still fifth on 318. Two points ahead of Will Power on 316. Graham Rahal in 7th place on 307, Tony Kanaan on 273, Alex Rossi on 271, and Ed Jones still in the top 10 as, as, as the current and almost well default rookie of the year, but still doing a tremendous job um, in 10th place on 254 points. I didn't even realise, Max Chilton is up to 11th place now. Yes. Like, Chilton has, <laughs> Ch- Chilton has really come along strong in year 2. Good, good for him. Delighted for Max Chilton. He's now ahead of James Hinchcliffe, who's won a race so far this season. It kind of says it all, really. Um, but as, as as Becky quite sorry, as Zoe quite rightly said, uh, Ryan Hunter Ray down in 16th place now on the last of the Andrettis. That is a very very weird thing to see. <laughs> but he's still but, ahead um, of Connor Daly. Well, is that really an achievement at this point? True. Sure. <laughs> sorry, Danny. Quick check of the. Sorry, Danny. Sorry, Lizzie. Um, forgive me, you know, or, or something. Um, do a quick look at the IndyCar fantasy standings and um, King. It's all coming up shit now, isn't it? <sighs> yep, I'm down a third in, ch- in the title fight, so... Yeah, be- why? Because we both picked Marco Andretti. Like, what were we thinking on this one? Like, oh yeah, he's qualified well. That, 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 that's almost guaranteeing the fact that something will go wrong during the race. <laughs> Like, he's far too high. Like, the altitude will kill him, um, basically. But uh, as a result of that, the Pied Piper retains his lead. He's got 16.99. He's got a six-point lead over Connor Goddamn, nor the Dragon Pearson, in second place now on 16.93. So, Connor, I know you're listening to this. We're coming for your head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to slice your dragon head off and feed it to my local pig farm. How dare you convince me in second place? I will not stand for this. The mission to bring down Ryan King is starting to have to have its effect now. King down to third on sixteen sixty one. Um, Benjamin now in fourth on sixteen fifty one. He's two points ahead of Matt. Matt, who's now invaded the podcast on six separate occasions, is now in the top five on sixteen forty nine. For those who are curious, I have been knocked out of the top ten by Danny Goddamn Brennan. <laughs> I'm down to 11th place. And I'm 39th. Well, no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not standing for this. I will not be beaten by Danny Brennan. <laughs> I've had it with this. Um, so, yeah, I'm down to 11th. Remember, 
the the overall league winner at the end of the season will take home a Mersport 101 t-shirt and infinite bragging rights across all so yeah king is now third i am now 11th i'm just going to check the rest of the regulars on here we know matt's fifth i think charlie is 18th a quick look at the second page sarah corner's 28th now um she had a very good week she was second overall in the league for just for this race at road america um zoe as mentioned is in 39th ahead of ryan rhino gt4 in 40th place and uh our man rj is now down to 44th RJ is letting the side down quite badly on this on, on this one. Now he's like almost at the bottom of the guys that have made picks for every round at, at, at this point. Um, I think the top forty, I want to say forty five, have, have made picks in every single round so far this season. Um, I, don't know, I know Vic's missed a couple of rounds, so RJ's almost at the bottom of that pile, which kind of says it all, really. Um, RJ, raise your damn game! <laughs> You're letting the side down here. Have the grid goals overtake us, and we can't have that. Basically, <laughs> yeah, like we, like me and King are leading the charge, but we, but we, we need a little bit of extra help at this point. We need reinforcements because King's slipping; he's shitting the bed quite hard right now. Yep. Sabotage. Um, so, you're welcome. <laughs> you're. <laughs> You had to get that one in there, didn't you, Zoe? I you had, you had to get that one in there. I this is all your fault, Zoe. Like you, you, you're gaining places as me and King fall down the leaderboard. <laughs> like, like, uh, we're never listening to Zoe's picks ever again. Is that clear, King? Yeah, I should have drank the Marco Kool Aid. I always pick Marco and Will, so you're never picking Marco and Will again, then. I'll pick Will again because Will will actually win some races. Um, Marco is just a constant Snapple drinking disappointment. <laughs> I almost, almost want to disown Snapple because Marco is that much of a letdown. Wow. <laughs> I've picked him twice and he's cracked the bed on both occasions. I'm sick of it. <laughs> I picked him for the 500, was mediocre, and I picked him for here and he let me down here too. Zoe, come get your mans. Take him away. Weed him out. I've had enough. Uh, you you keep him. <laughs> Make him. Adopt him like he's a lost puppy or something. <laughs> But uh, I'm already got a puppy to deal with, so I don't care. Have another <laughs> one. <laughs> Take him. Nobody else wants him. Um, <laughs> I think but he's that'll just to be with disagree. <laughs> I, I, I'm a firm believer in charity. Right. <laughs> well, enough for Marco for for one podcast. That'll just about do it for that one. So, yeah, I guess it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Let's crack open a cold one with the boys and Zoe, and let's sit down and talk about Azerbaijan. What's the worst that could possibly happen? Okay, King, should we get the small talk out of the way? Daniel Ricciardo won. Yeah, first win in like, 2017. 
Like, Daniel Ricciardo's first win in 13 races. Um, his last win will be in Malaysia last year. Another round where chaos ensues at the front. And, uh, like, it's the fun fact that Sean Kelly posted this fact up the other day. Daniel Ricciardo now, now has five career wins. And all five of them, he has not qualified higher than fourth. Kind of bonkers, that one. It's like, I, I think Vettel has never won a race from lower than third. Ricciardo has not won a race from third or higher. <laughs> So there's a fun one there for your stats guys out there. But yeah, Daniel Ricciardo won. Um, and, you know, Daniel, like, it, it goes to show you that sometimes just keeping a cool head and having nothing go wrong around you can reap dividends. Yes, yes. Um, keeping you... a cool head is important to winning races. Who the fuck? Shut up, King. <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'll, I'll get to that later. Uh, but um, yeah, Daniel Ricciardo winning, and God, he was thirty-three to one after his after his uh, qualifying botch, um, where he hit the walls during Q3 and had to start it from ninth place. Um, but again, just just a flawless drive from Daniel. I had to take an early pit stop in the early going, but. Uh, I think the move that won him the Grand Prix was the triple overtake into turn one. That was I think it was off the safe, off the safety car restart. Just, just an unbelievable move from Daniel Ricciardo. Like, like, like the amount of bottle, but yet also just how well calculated Daniel Ricciardo's passes are is just a sight to behold. Sometimes it really is. Like Ricciardo is just such a brilliant passer, and once again, King just absolutely nailed this one. <laughs> Yeah, it's of of all the like of all the chaos that unfolded. Dan Ricardo just kept his nose clean, went on with his race, and was in the right place at the right time and took home the W. Passed everybody in front of him all at the same time and won the Grand Prix. Sometimes it really is as simple as that, even though everything else really wasn't as simple. But um one of the big benefactors of this chaos at the front, which of course we'll get to later on, Lance Stroll. Now, if, if, if only RJ O'Connell was here, because if he was here, the amount of in, the amount of insufferable gloating over like the Lance Stroll caping wagon, which he basically invented for himself after testing, <laughs> where he had where he had many an accident, and um, even me, who after Canada said, you know what, I'm not so sure about this Lance Stroll kid. Um, I had to eat a slice of humble pie today, and I'm sure many other people did, because Lance Stroll was about six inches away from finishing in second. It was third, sadly pipped to the post by Valtteri Bottas in a photo finish over the line. Um, we all know that back he's got a 2.2 kilometer straight. It's 1.9 kilometers down to the finish line. But um, Bottas just a tenth ahead over the line. Did you see RJ was retweeting all the people who had were like doubting him and mentioning like crashes and that? <laughs> Smug, but he's, he's that guy on Twitter. He is that guy. What guy? That guy that digs up all the old retweets who still think they're funny. That's RJ O'Connell right there in a nutshell. Um, I, I guess he earned the right to be smug on this one, I suppose. Um, I mean, what a result for Lance! In Lance's defence, he like when he's gone out, has he been because of mechanical issues, or he's been caught out by somebody else? He's not actually been True. the one who causes crashes. It's just, oh, he's he's got he's the rich boy, and there's been incidents surrounding him. Therefore, we've labelled him past the miles an hour mark too. 
doesn't really work. Yeah, although, although the, the amount of people that were jumping on the wagon that was that that, that was saying, um, oh yeah, I've always believed in Lance Stroll. <laughs> Where were you, liars? Fucking liars. Um, but uh, yeah, congrats to Lance Stroll. That was a fantastic drive. You know, a mature, disciplined drive. It was only about a tenth a lap slower than Ricardo. Like, showed great pace in the race as well. A little bit bittersweet for Williams because I think they, they genuinely believe Felipe Massa had a real chance of winning that race before he had, I think it was some sort of oil pressure problem um, in in that one, which, which, which put him out of the race early. Same, similar deal for Max Verstappen, who, pr- again, probably would have won this race at a cakewalk given everything else that happened if he'd been able to just to keep his nose clean. But, but unfortunately, another engine-related failure for Max, and that's his fourth DNF in the last six races for Max Verstappen. Um, the man just can't catch a break right now. What a shame. You, you can't see, but I'm grinning right now behind this camera. I'm not salty about Canada at all. Not, not, not in the slightest. But, um, King, let's talk about your man Valtteri's race a little bit, shall we? Um, let, let's... Let's be real here. Questionable incidents on the opening lap. Yes. 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 Questionable incident with Kimmy. I, I assume a lot of people were not happy about that. I'm pretty sure Chris Cook was happy about that. But besides that. Take out Riken at all costs. <laughs> wow. No damage. Your... Yeah. Shut up, Zoe. <laughs> we're, we're, we're not having this on the show. We're a classier established outfit than this. We will not reduce ourselves to memes. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, a questionable term, turn free incident between Bottas and Raikkonen. Um, Bottas had to fall, he fell to the back of the, back of the field. He limped back to the pits, was able to continue. And just through, again, through sheer chaos, making the key passes and basically not getting any, getting his hands any dirtier, finished in second over the line, over Lance Stroll. Is that like up there with, with Val's best so far, King, despite the questionable accident? Uh, yeah, but regardless, like, besides the the accident with Raikkonen, that that was pretty much his race of the season so far, that he was able to, you know, pretty much. come back from that accident and still finish second. Yeah, I'd say so. That, 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 that was a hell of a recovery drive from Val, and a, and a good job there indeed. Okay. I think we've, I think you can hold this off no longer, people. Um... Wait, 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 what about, the, what about the Force Indians colliding into, into each other, Drake? <laughs> you you want to put this off as long as you as you can, don't, don't you, King? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, um, I think it was like the, the second or third safety car restart, and um, Esteban Ocon passes Sergio Perez in, into turn three, and it's a weird one because if you look at Ocon's on board, like... Yeah. It doesn't look like he's had, he had any intention. I think he always thought the space was going to be there for both of them. And I think Sergio Perez was sort of in the wrong place at the wrong time, which is very rare for Sergio Perez these days, given how his career's played out. Um, but yeah, like a rare case of Sergio getting the rub of bad luck. And seemingly what would have robbed Perez of at least a podium finish. Um, King, like... Force India must be having like a really, really bad set of debriefs lately. Yeah, just just awkward debriefs where it's like, yeah, we had a bad race because we made a mistake that took out both of our cars. Whoops. 
Um, it happens. It happens. Um, bit of a messy day for Force India. Both of their cars did limp home in the end, but obviously after significant damage. Um, and Perez and Raikkonen were also got dr- drive-through penalties for working on the cars in the fast lane of the pits. Um, whoops, to say the least. Daniel Kvyat um, had to retire his car as well. Carlos Sainz spun it on the opening lap, but he got back to finishing the points because Carlos Sainz still does Carlos Sainz things, even when he doesn't do Carlos Sainz things. Um, so that was a decent result from him. Alonso. Do we have to talk about him? He had his fun at Indianapolis. <laughs> he he scored points, points right? He, he, he got into the points and the car didn't decide to die on him. A medical happened. Like, it's almost like the car isn't all that shit, as I keep saying on every episode. No, we're not but, saying um, the car shit, we're saying the engine shit. Everything about McLaren is poopy at this point. Um, but yes, I, I, begrudgingly, yes. Well done, Fernando. You got McLaren their first points of the year at last. The, the engine didn't completely shit itself, despite the fact it was Baku. Well done, Honda. Yeah, yeah, you got a car to the top ten. <sighs> Slow clap. It didn't really help all that much because Pascal Verline finished in tenth. So Exalba got a point. So they've only taken a point out of... Salba's slim advantage in the fight for ninth in the constructors. But, um, yeah, well done, to, well done to McLaren. They've broken their duck. Nine out of the ten teams scored points in this round. McLaren, so Mercedes were the only team to have both their cars in the points. Um, mostly because Renault were the only team who didn't score, and I think almost every Renault powered car failed to make the finish outside of, like, Ricardo and a handful of other dudes. Um, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg would have scored hearty points, definitely. But he hit the turn seven wall. Jody and Palmer had, I think, some sort of electrical problem. We'll get to back to him later. But, uh, of course, Max Stefan had the engine problem as well. So just a pretty wretched weekend for Renault, all things considered. Um, which is a shame, because, again, Hulkenberg was probably on for a top six at worst. Uh, which is amazing, because, once again, Lance Stroll has a podium finish in F1. Nico Hulkenberg doesn't. <laughs> oh, dear. What a it's world. never going to happen. What a world. It's never going to... Like, at some point, Nico's just going to sit there and go, this, this, this isn't going to happen, is it? <laughs> like, the, the gods of racing are just chosen to be ultimately very vindictive and cruel to Nico Hulkenberg. It's, it's, it's sad times. Okay. I really don't think we can put this off any longer, King. No. Are you sure? Positive. I'd rather... <laughs> I'll get back to him. <laughs> Palmer Palmer doesn't deserve me pushing him up the card. No. <laughs> he can fucking wait. Um, quite frankly. Okay. You know what we're going to talk about. It's not Jody and Palmer's interview technique. It's Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel and the safety car clash heard around the world. Oh boy, where do we start on this one? It was the second safety car restart after a bunch of debris on, on, on track and whatnot. And safety cars coming coming in on that lap. He's he's already distanced himself from the field. Lewis Hamilton is is dictating the pace as you do. Debatably, he was a bit slow coming through the penultimate corner. Sebastian Vettel drives into the rim and damages his front end plate a little bit. Um, that hurts him on the on the restart. Vettel comes on out alongside Hamilton, gesticulates um, towards him, and with no hands, he, he collides into Hamilton's car. 
the race goes on. Vettel is under pressure, but he's able to hold off Sergio Perez. But um, as Hamilton has to pit later in the Grand Prix for a damaged headrest, um, Vettel is given a 10-second stop-and-go penalty for dangerous driving. And that, I can't remember the last time we've had a, we've had a dangerous driving penalty or for, for specifically those words because it's normally causing a collision that's the most common one we get these days it, it one, wasn't but. just just to be clear it wasn't dangerous driving it was potentially dangerous driving oh i see okay because i, I remember the on-screen graphics said dangerous driving and it was like in great big red letters that was always fun um but uh of course with it being hamilton versus vettel and a deliberate incident like this the internet exploded. Hot takes could be seen from space. And, you know, it's it's been the most talked about incident probably of the entire 2017 season so far. And, um, well, where do we even begin on this one? Okay, should we, should, we, should we get this out of the way now? Vettel absolutely was in the wrong here. Yes. Like... Let, let's, let's get that one out of the way. That's the one thing that we think we can all universally agree on. Um, Vettel lost his rag, and he shouldn't have done, and he was rightly punished for it. And I, 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 I that's the big one. Hamilton, it's been proven by the FAI telemetry, he did not break test or break check, whatever what term you want to use, he did not break check. Sebastian Vettel, he was consistent in that section on all three restarts. Although, I will say to all those smug Hamilton fans listening in, saying, ha-ha, he didn't do anything, I don't care what anyone tells me, on the hard camera in real time, it looked like Hamilton was going really slowly through that corner. Because um, he actually was. His team actually asked him to do that. Where, uh, because of how long the straight is from that last corner to the line, they didn't want ah. Hamilton to catch the safety car before the like the safety car reached the pit entry. So they yeah, asked him. Eat, yeah. They didn't ask him to slow down. They said, "When you go through the corner, just accelerate later." Yeah, because he was very close to passing the safety car on the first restart. Like the, he was very close to the safety car first line on that one. So, yeah, the team had told him to go. I didn't know that one to be because I didn't know the team had told him specifically to go slower through the apex. So, technically, doesn't that mean that he wasn't consistent through all three of those no, no, restarts? No, he he was consistent. He didn't break. He just did not accelerate. <sighs> it, to, to, to quote, to quote um, Cam Buckley on Twitter that sent the quote along, he didn't break test him, but he did slow down. <laughs> yeah, he just didn't. Quote, yeah, he he didn't break, but he also did not accelerate. Like the greatest gray, the greatest gray area in F one history, right here, like, folks. He, <laughs> he was, like it's completely within the rules for him to do it. Is it recommended? No. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a, he broke seemingly the spirit of the rules. It's like cricket all over again, basically. Um, it wasn't recommended, but technically, by the letter of the law, safety, if you're the, you're the leading car, you dictate the pace you are within your rights to do that, even if it's silly as fuck, um, quite frankly, because we all saw it on the third restart, he didn't, he didn't push the button until way later, like halfway down the back straight, basically. Um, so that was all sorts of funny. Okay. Here's question number. Here's, here's probably the golden question now regarding all of this. Was the penalty to, for Sebastian fair? Now, fair is a very grey area term here because what I, I, counts as fair? I think a lot of people saying that he should get a harsher penalty don't know 
what a harsher penalty is. They don't know everything that is available, because pretty much a harsher penalty would pretty much mean Sebastian Vettel would... The only th the, there are only three penalties that are harsher than a 10-second stop and go. That's a grid drop during the next race, which I'm pretty sure uh, a lot of fans would not like, because that would mean Vettel would have caked walk to the win. Yeah, she would just take a free place good drop later on, which she would have happily taken, I'm sure. Um, the next stop so yeah, after um, that is a disqualification from that race. And the last time we saw a disqualification in F1 was the Japanese Grand Prix of 2005. And again, so we haven't had one of those for 12 years. Yeah, <laughs> and again, after that would mean a race ban for the next race. That means, again, Vettel Cake walks to the victory but misses out on the next race. Now, and that would have been interesting. Like, how would people have judged that if Vettel goes on to win the race, but he's banned from taking part in Austria next weekend? Now, that would have been interesting. I wonder what the reaction would have been to that. Exactly. I know. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. a lot of people don't know how that works. And again, uh, the last two that I mentioned, the disqualification and the race ban, you can appeal those. And without, ah. yeah, without clear-cut evidence that Vettel himself driven dangerously. Like, you would need hard evidence to 100% without a doubt to say that Vettel drove dangerously. It could be overturned, and then nothing happens at all. Yeah, and the FAA, I'm sure, probably wouldn't want that. Um, because I don't think there's 100% clear-cut evidence that Vettel drove dangerously. It was a safety car tap, and he, he wasn't using his hands when he, when he was appealing towards Hamilton for doing what he did. So for me... And people are going to accuse me of being biased when I say this, but you know, whatever. It's it, it comes with the territory at this point. I'm not even sure that was deliberate. Yeah, like it was stupid. Yeah, it was. But it, it was. I'm not sure it was. I'm not sure that was deliberate. It was very stupid. You don't you don't pull out alongside a car and then let go of the steering wheel. Yeah, that's asking for trouble. I mean, you have uh, the people who were demanding he got a, a harsher penalty where generally the example they were using was Michael Schumacher on Jacques Villeneuve in 97. Not even close oh, to the same I mean, thing. If, if you don't know, Michael had already made a mistake and damaged his car, decided to do the same as what he'd done to David Hill previously, which was go back onto a track and whack Jacques Villeneuve. Unfortunately, this time, Michael ended up out, Jack finished the race, won the race, Maybe not won the race, but he finished the race, and Michael got disqualified for the entire season. This was yeah, during the race, not a safety car period. This is what people are comparing this incident at Baku to. I've I've seen worse than that. I've seen people compare it to Dan Tickham getting a two-year ban for what he did in Formula Four, and that's a completely <laughs> different series. Yeah, like people were using that as a comparison, and I'm like. You guys really are reaching on this one. Like, I know, sir, I've had, I've got into a bit of an argument with certain people from other radio networks that I will not name names on. Um, you can probably guess who if you're if you're an avid fan of this show, and if you're, especially if you're a fan of Bike Live. But um, saying that you know, like, oh, the series is rigged for Ferrari. If Ferrari driver can do whatever the hell they want. The, you know, this this age old narrative that Ferrari is seemingly above the law. 
And, uh, a, a lot of people have been almost taking this like Sebastian didn't get penalized at all. Like, a 10-second stalker penalty. We worked it out. I mean, thanks to the dickhead who said I shouldn't be running the bookies because <laughs> I didn't have the lap times to hand. You know who you are. Um, Shout out to that, to that asshole who's, who's, who's setting that towards me because I didn't have the lap times to hand to me. But we worked it out. It was about 30 seconds. The 10-second stop and go was worth about 30 seconds worth of lost time. Yeah, it's actually, Dre, funnily enough, it's actually in the FIA regulations because, like, for people yeah. who, like, don't think I know the regular, I'm reading it from the actual book that they have equivalent, they have equivalent time penalties if you can't serve your penalty. And a 10-second stop and uh. go in the rule book is 30 seconds. Yeah, so it worked out roughly at pretty much exactly 30 seconds anyway. So well done, FIA. You're, you're, you're very spot on with these measures. But um, yeah, it worked out that Vettel had lost 30 seconds. And people would have easily forgotten. I, I think the people that people would have lost in this is that people were mad at the... I think people were more mad at the penalty because Vettel finished the race ahead of Hamilton. Yeah. Because Hamilton had a 10-second extra pit stop of his own to fix his damaged headrest. And Hamilton couldn't find a way past Seb. And um, called out Charlie. Easy... Yeah. Uh, Charlie, that's, that's nowhere near harsh enough, man. Um, I'll get to those interviews in a minute. But, but like, 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 again, getting back into that, harsher penalty, you risk there being an appeal and that penalty being overturned. Do you really want to take the chance? Do you really just want to get the 10-second stop and go, which cannot be appealed, and you know it's going to be there? <laughs> Yeah, and people don't want to lose sight of this. Vettel would have had an easy race win if it wasn't for that penalty. A ridiculous... After the second half of the race, after the red flag and the car was fixed, Vettel was one of the fastest dudes on track. He set the fastest lap of the race on that Grand Prix and was keeping pace with the, with the two with two Mercedes in front... In, in the, well, the sandwich that he was in because Bottas was in front and Hamilton was behind. So Seb was as fast as anyone on, 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 on track this weekend and, you know... Again, it would have been a cakewalk victory for him if he wasn't punished at all for it. And instead of winning, he's finished in fourth. That would be a significant penalty. I mean, that's effectively cost him 13 points by any measure. But of course, because Hamilton had a bad, had, had, a, had an unlucky race to have a damaged headrest like that, and that cost him a, sh a shot at the win of his own, people want to complain about it. Listen, like, people want to forget the lose sight of this. This incident had no bearing on Lewis Hamilton's race whatsoever. Yeah. This was a completely separate incident. The very small amount of bodywork damage that Hamilton's car had was fixed during the red flag. Yeah, and I and think a lot... Lewis's race was pretty much destroyed by that red flag because apparently uh, the fasteners that they used for the headrest, one of the mechanics improperly put on one of the fasteners. That's why his headrest was coming up. And that guy is now sharing his bed tonight with a horse's head. Um, but, um, yeah, that ruined Hamilton's race. And, again, it was a race that Hamilton was just not going to win, no matter what happened in, during that safety car or not. And I think that's the shades of grey that comes into this incident because people were getting really mad about this and saying, oh, yeah, ban him for a race to squadify him. And I think it's, I think I it's more down to Hamilton being unlucky more than Vettel doing what he did. And I think that's kind of crazy. I mean, yeah. if you... Like, as Crofty was trending, and pretty much all of it was, why wasn't Vettel banned or disqualified, or he's basically getting hung, drawn, and quartered, and his pieces thrown into the seven seas. And some people were even going, why wasn't Hamilton punished for, 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 for quote-unquote break checking? So, you know, it was, 
it was it was toxic. It it, it was toxic, and if, those that have seen my Drebrief video by now, talking about this stuff that went up this morning, I said it myself. Like I I placed the blame firmly on Sky Sports for basically breeding this vitriolic environment that Lewis Hamilton is in. This is what happens when you build your sport around one guy, because when something happens that involves that one guy. There's no middle ground. It's either all the guys that are going to get their capes out for him, or all the guys that hate him, you know, that are going to mock the fact that he had a really unlucky race and probably didn't deserve to finish as low as fifth. But that's just what happens in racing sometimes. And when that happens, it makes people angry. And what happened after the race? Simon Lazenby, Martin Brundle, and the two plebs of Damon Hill and Johnny <laughs> Herbert. You basically, you basically said nothing. I've gone back and rewatched the post-race coverage since, and it, it's 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 a great big bowl of much ado about nothing, where it's basically them just saying, "Oh, maybe it should be a harsher penalty." They said basically nothing. It's just the same old. You know what it is, King? It's just a bunch of old white folks now just complaining about the same <laughs> shit every race weekend, pretty much at this point. And like, like Channel Four, and I, I, we were watching the race live on our hangout. On I was watching it personally live on Channel Four good old free to wear um and like channel 4's coverage is just so objectively better at this point it's like instead of them focusing on hamilton v vettel they focused on daniel ricardo winning they focused on lance stroll's first podium which was a great story in itself and they interviewed they interviewed like eddie jordan yanked in his dad um what's his name i think lawrence yeah, lawrence stroll Yep, yep, Lawrence. Thanks, thanks for that. And um, yeah, they interviewed Lawrence, and Lawrence was was very emotional. It was it made for great television. You got to see a dad who was clearly very proud of his son for what was the best achievement of his of his racing career to date, and that, that was made for great TV. And they, uh, then they got to Hamilton versus Vettel after the break, and then I wanted to headbutt Eddie Jordan for comparing it to a football incident, and I'm like, <sighs> good old Eddie Jordan. Um, I mean, drunken uncle himself, you know. Because of the rugby, my mum had got a Sky Sports pass for the day on Now TV. Mm -hmm. So we'd been watching rugby on Sky, and obviously the F1 coverage starts. And my mum said, is it live on Channel 4? I went, yes. And she went, okay, and switched to Channel 4. Yep. We had it already running at this point on Sky. (laughs) And we still switched to Channel 4. I mean... Says it all. I mean, apparently they have been losing viewers. Who? Sky. Yeah. And you know what it is? I think the bubble is starting to burst on their Hamilton coverage. It's 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 getting too much. I mean, if anybody was on was was like around the hour after the incident happened, oh, Twitter Twitter was a nuclear holocaust. It was it was awful. It was toxic. It was brutal. It was insult it was slaying matches it was people you know marching on their keyboards in in anger and visceral and like we had a proper like i had a proper chat about it on twitter with the people the people that follow me about three hours later around around the time indycar was on and everybody was calm it was great that was there was mature it was it was mature well-rounded discussion both sides we all asked interesting questions it was a lot better like I know, a lot of that is down to 2017 social media, the world mm. that you know it's all instant, it's all instant gratification. We want we want opinions and analysis as soon as possible, and you can, we can go into that after the cows come home. But God, this incident brought out the worst of not only Sky Sports but just the F1 fan base of the internet in general. Um, it's 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 pretty bad. I can't say this. Like I, I, 
I'll show you a, a fun comment I got on today's Drebrief video where I was told, and I quote, um, SJW makes an SJW video criticizing Sky Sports. Why am I surprised? Hamilton hater, by the way. Ha ha ha. Welcome to 2017, everybody. <laughs> I mean... Kind of says it already, isn't it? <laughs> I did share with you some of the, the comments from the BBC. Comment oh, God. And they, like... Some of that, like... I would read... I would read some, but my phone batteries are like uh, 1%. I but, mean, um, the best one that came out of it... Probably the most sane one was... Neither of them are son of gods. Although both clearly think so. They're just very naughty boys. Either Hamilton deliberately brake-tested... Or Vettel was asleep. Then Vettel rammed the Merc or was waving his arms and veered right. As for the race, more crashes than so-called professionals should have had in a woefully bad circuit. A voice of reason! <laughs> a, a, a true gem amongst the BBC cesspool of comments. Because if you ever want to see a cesspool of comments about racing, go on any BBC comment board. Oh my God. Uh, on the other it's, end... It's, it's bad. If deliberately ramming someone doesn't dis get you disqualified, what does? Do you have to actually kill them? To be fair, they have to keep the glory hunters happy so that they keep pumping money into the sport and buying the branded tat. So it's only natural that Ferrari seems to get away with dodgy decisions that, would that other teams wouldn't. Also see Manchester United and the All Blacks. Lewis Hamilton is the most marketable <laughs> driver we've had since Schumacher. Like, like Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's got his own monster. If the FIA were really in it for the money, Vettel would have been disqualified. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because they were in it, if they were in it for the money, they'd have realised that Lewis Hamilton is a much more bankable mm -hmm. star than Sebastian Vettel is. Vettel shuns the open media world. Lewis Hamilton embraces it. That's the difference between the two of them. And did, did you catch the? In, did you sorry, did, sorry to catch you today for just a second? But did you catch the interviews after the race with, with Lee McKenzie and whatnot? No, I I, I tuned out. <laughs> you tuned out and then, but yeah, but um, I like to be fair. I think Seb was very reasonable. He said like, he didn't want to admit whether he did it on purpose. Of course, people wanted to be cynical regarding that and say, oh, he's dodging the question. Well, of course like uh, like, of course, he would dodge the question because if he admits fault, he can still be penalised. <laughs> like, duh. Like, like, the, like as, as Will Buxton very eagerly, you know, in his in his classic chest-beating bravado sense pointed out this morning, oh, the FIA should come down and make an example of Vettel and they can punish him further. And I'm like... Well, that's why I said dodge to questions, mate. Because if he admitted that, that he did it on purpose, that would be all the evidence the FIA could, could use to say, okay, we're going to ban you for a race because you did it on purpose. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, and of course, wait a year, ask him again, he'll give you a straight answer. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like, Vettel was calculated. He said, listen, I think Hamilton should have been punished as well. I think he brake tested me. It's nothing personal. Um, etc. You know, Hamilton was vitriolic uh, after, after the race. He said he called Vettel a disgrace. Um, he he said that uh, he should have been punished further. He said that he was a bad role model for the kids, which I just find completely laughable because I don't think anyone is putting on a Formula One helmet thinking, "What if nine? What, what does nine-year-old Jimmy think of my behavior? <laughs> what, what, um, what do all the little Jimmys out there think about <laughs> Seb running into <laughs> running into Lewis?" What like, do they think about again, drinking their he... drinks out of their shoes? <laughs> <laughs> That's the oh one they should God. be worried about. <laughs> <laughs> Little Jimmy Rhea's keeps trying to drink his iron brew out of his shoe. 
like yeah like what, like what would the kids say and, and etc and you know if, if he wants to be a man we should talk about it outside of the car which is my favorite response to that interview because sebastian vettel the next day tried to call lewis hamilton to clear the air and lewis hamilton rejected the call and called sebastian vettel disrespectful <laughs> what well on lewis you hypocrite <sighs> way to go man way to go like, like, you had the moral high ground here, and you threw it away. But I think, like... Impressive, Lewis. The, <laughs> the most telling part of this whole situation was before the race even ended. Like, we, we failed to talk about this, about him trying to chase down Sebastian Vettel, and yeah. uh, Botas himself trying to, you know, do, race his own race, trying to finish as high as possible, and Lewis going over the team radio, asking, could you back, uh, could you back Botas up in the Vettel so he could catch him? Lewis doesn't believe in team orders. No, no. He ignored them last year, and now he's asking for the team to do him a favor so he can get team orders on his teammate who thoroughly deserved to be in the podium spot that he was in. Um, I, can yeah, you say, I've like, got one last quote I've got from... Go on. Right. The whole point of the safety car is to make it safer. But we seem to have situations where it is being used to create an exciting restart that leads to more dangerous debris on the track. The Americans, the Americans, should stick to driving in circles. (laughs) Let us remember, the closest to America we had, or one of the closest we had to America, was Canada. He was on the podium because he didn't have any drama. He kept a cool head and was the fucking rookie. Oh my god. The internet, Amazing. y'all. <laughs> the internet. It's like, I, I just love the fact that, like, once again, purely almost through sheer dumb luck of Vettel driving like an idiot one day, we've forgotten that Lewis Hamilton is the most morally repugnant driver in Formula One. She's like, completely and utterly morally bankrupt. But here we are. You got away with it this time, Lewis. You got away with it. But you didn't need your championship lead. So, ha! Um, also, Sam, can you please drive more carefully? <laughs> please. Please. I didn't need this this weekend. It's like, like the man's now got nine penalty points on his license. Oh, yeah. That, that's again. also the other untold story, uh, which Sebastian Vettel received three points for an accident, which is, again, the highest that anyone, is, that anyone receives for any incident, three points. And yep. he also has the record for having the most penalty points. <laughs> No one is... Yeah. He's the first person to hit nine. He's also yeah, the one that, who's, who had the fastest from the start of their career to their first penalty. Because he speeded yes. down yeah. the pit lane as he left the, the pit for the first time ever. Eight seconds, bruh. Eight seconds for his first ever F1 penalty. Way to break him in. Um, but like I said, like people... Be like, I got people telling me that, that that Mexico was like all the more reason to ban him for a race. Like that was completely on board. It was it was it was rightly punished. He was given the five second time penalty. That was completely fair. He was given penalty points. For what more do you want him to do? It's it's, like, it's, it's, it's almost like pe- it's almost like they don't want them to race each other. <laughs> yeah, it's like that's my overall point taken away from this. Like, don't you guys want this drama? Like, don't you guys want? Hamilton and Vettel to be a blood sport rivalry and them not to like each other. Like, listen, I personally have no problem with Hamilton and Vettel being classy to each other. I mean, that's I've got no problem with that. However, I also think sportsmanship is madly overrated. Um, 
And let's be real here. Sport sometimes needs a good villain. And now Sky's going to paint that moral truck. And the thing is, of, like, of, of Ferrari is a villain. Yeah, Gone. The worst part about this was the social media. Like, the fact that the incident happened, the penalties. Like, if, if I wasn't, like, on Twitter, it was 100% more enjoyable. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. And, and I was on Twitter, and it was a dumpster fire. A rolling dumpster fire, as certain gifts of mine would would, would, would would curtail. But that's my biggest takeaway from this, is that this is exactly what this championship wanted. Like, you people would have wanted this. Like, three weeks ago, you'd have wanted Hamilton and Vettel. To look, at, like, look, look, at, look at Catalonia, where they banged wheels, and like Vettel very nearly ran Hamilton off the track. And there was a little bit of tension there. Like, we, were, we were thriving up on this. We were like, ooh... <laughs> It's Hamilton versus Vettel getting a bit dirty now. And it's like, didn't we want something like this to happen? Like, if you're a casual, I, I totally get that Hamilton versus Vettel should sell itself because they are the two best drivers of this era. They're incredible talents. And again, it's two different teams as well. So it's a it's a great rivalry. We, they, those two have never really fought each other at the peak of a title fight in their 10-slash-11 years in Formula 1. Yep, it's it's the, the Mayweather-McGregor of our sport. Who the fuck's McGregor, then? <laughs> <laughs> Don't even answer that one. But, um, like I said, it, it is the Mayweather-Pacquiao, basically, of Formula 1. Like we, we, this, is what, this is what we've been waiting for for over a decade. The Two, two of the brightest young talents this sport has ever seen going head-to-head. This is great. This is a brilliant advertisement for Formula One right here, and they needed it because MotoGP fucking set set motorsport on fire in the morning with three brilliant races. Um, but again, like Baku was a total shit show, and it was dramatic. And normally we love this sort of thing. Instead, people are getting their burning pitchforks out, asking for Seb to be banned for a race. Do you want that? Do you really want that? Do you really want a, a strong chance of Hamilton taking twenty five points out of that lead next time round? Like, it's like is your is your is, like is your need for social justice greater than the entertainment of a championship fight? The, the, I wonder. The only part of me that would want that is the part of me that wants to see Antonio Giovinazzi in a Ferrari. But besides that, I don't want to see a race where it's just like, yeah, what's Lewis going to do? Pretty much uncontested this race. Get out. <laughs> Give a Nazi in the floor. You get out of here. Uh, I mean, the one but, thing uh, I'd have to say is, like, with in regards to how, like, vitriol, like, the British fans, or certain parts of the British fans have gone because, like, Sky and that. You need to remember, yeah. back in 2006, McLaren got investigated by the FIA, basically off the back of the British media being so peeved that Lewis got second at Monaco. <laughs> Yeah, and then you have to sit there and go because of that. Like, what that basically brought what happened to Hungary. Like, yeah, pe- people don't seem to realise how, like, influence, how much influence the media seems to have at times. I mean, I did sarcastically tweet at Sky Sports this morning. Like, are you off yeah. to Paris to the FIA to, with your your evidence that it's going to consist of the Ask Crofty tweets and the British papers? Yeah, like I don't feel like I think the only people that really know how powerful they are and how powerful they can be is Sky. They can spin up a story out of nothing, and Sky are one of the biggest broadcasters for F one on the planet. They have so many countries that use their footage um, to, to to broadcast on a national basis. So 
like, when that's happening, just, just, go on, go on, go on. they are the broadcasters of Formula One in three of the five biggest markets in Europe. They broadcast in, in Britain, Germany, and Italy. Yep. Three enormous markets for, for, motors, for motorsport in general, because Italy is the home of MotoGP now, pretty much, with their academies and, of course, a, a bunch of Italian drivers. Germany is Germany. Duh. And obviously the UK is, well, AIDS. But it's still it's the UK. Um, but, like I said, this is the nature of the beast. And like I said, I, I, square, I square the blame more towards Sky for basically creating this toxic environment around Lewis Hamilton. And, you know, that's like, we need to do better, I think, as fans and be more aware of the Kool-Aid that they're giving us. Because... It's only going to make these situations more vitriolic. I think we're going to laugh back at this in a year's time. Oh. We're, we're, we're going to laugh for the petulance that this was. Nobody got hurt. Vettel was rightly punished. And I think it was a fair penalty. We'll laugh at this by this time next year. People are still <laughs> better at Nico Rosberg. For existing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this has been... like It's not just been Sky Galaxy. Like, this has been going on since 2006. Since, like... Yeah. This is as possibly at the peak of it. Yeah. Just maximum media influence. Just it's it's toxic. It's toxic on every level. It brings out the worst in people. Me included. I openly hold my hands up to and admitting that. But it's it's not healthy. And what I think something that I think in a vacuum would be seen as something that's almost kind of funny and petulant has been turned into something toxic, into something deep, into something where we're now suddenly turning on Seb again, like, oh, he's the heel now, because, oh, wait, didn't we all just kind of like him for shits and giggles anyway because Hamilton was winning too much? Again, it all goes back to Sky propping up Hamilton. Like, that's yeah. the golden goose here. And I it all circles back to that. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep on going until, hopefully, well, eventually when Lewis retires. Like, as long as there is a British driver in contention for the World Championship, this is not going to end. No, but even, Jensen Button never got this. Exactly, because Jensen Button was never in contention for a world championship for most of his career. And, and the one time he did, and the one time he did it was the first year of BBC F1, and they were playing it safe, but pretty much with Jake Humphrey there. And, yeah, we all loved that coverage back then. Anyway, it was it was it, it was Eddie, it was, it was DC, it was Jake, and you know, before Jake was a bell end on Twitter, um, and basically. But and yeah, Martin Brundle, that, that was the dream team back then in two thousand nine. Everybody loved that coverage, and that was the one year Jensen really contended for a title. So, you know. Even, like, Damon Hill was around. And Nigel... Yeah. Like, even Nigel Mansell. Like, both my parents were Senna fans. Yeah. Like... I can imagine. Not just because Nigel was British or, or English or whatever. It was just they liked Senna more. And they didn't... There wasn't quite the whole sort of nationalistic moments as right. much. Yeah, because, I mean, like... Like Grand Prix wasn't on TV for relatively that long. It was only on the air for almost fifteen years at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you had like the British coverage at the time. Like the drivers would watch it. Um, Senna used to watch it because he liked Murray Walker's commentary. Like there was one race yeah. where Murray tried to pronounce Senna Ayrton Senna right correctly. <laughs> and that was simply because he found out Senna was watching his coverage. Oh, I didn't know that. That's a re- that's a really that's a really cool factoid. 
but like I said, like this is this is the instant gratification era that we live in now. When it, when it comes to social media, the internet, I don't want to play the millennials card here, but it is a, it is a more modern trend now where everything we need everything now 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 we, we haven't got patience anymore we haven't got time to let things fester or settle we want that analysis right here and now we want it as soon as possible we want we want we want to talk we want to see you guys get punished straight away we don't want to wait yeah, for like, decisions on I, this I, I, i've yeah. seen that like recently this season now the stewards release official messages saying that they've noted that certain incidents have happened before they even yeah. announce that they've started their investigation we want everything now. We want it. We want it immediately, and that's kind of why, on a tangent, why many American sports shows like First Take and like Skip and Shannon's on like Undisputed have kind of made names for themselves because it's become a society of hot takes. We we want immediate. We want immediate overarching takes on often long term issues. I mean, football is so guilty of this. It's like, oh look, Paul Pogba had a bad game. He's a terrible transfer. He's a bust. He's terrible. And then, he, and then he performs well for the next ten games, and then we don't talk about it for a bit. But the moment he has one bad game, we come down in him like a ton of bricks again. Like that's that's like that's football in the nutshell. And I think the same thing has happened into Formula One, where sports, like sports directors and broadcasters and advertisers, feel like they have to have a story, even if there isn't one. There has to be a story, and if there isn't one, we'll make one. Basically, even if it isn't exactly true, even if it's kind of shrouded in speculation and falsehoods, and well, when a certain president of the United States is a guy that lives in a post-fact environment, and like facts exist, but people are now just choosing to ignore them to tell their own stories, shit like this happens, and I think this is the the peak example of that where. Sky, who drank the Lewis Hamilton Kool Aid ever since they got the rights in 2013. They've built Hamilton up to be a god, basically. I mean, it's if you ever watch BT MotoGP's coverage, they they do the same with Valentino Rossi. It's this exact same deal there. Like King, I'll give you a classic example. I don't know if you remember when Jorge Lorenzo won at Aragon last year, and he did he, he, he did the shark fin celebration. Yeah. Like James Toesland immediately said he's a poor sportsman, and that's why he'll never be as popular as Valentino. The ultimate showman in motorsport history. Yeah. <laughs> it's that sort of environment that we live in now. And that, I think, this example of what was a petulant slap that had no bearing on the race whatsoever. And yeah, it, you, you could argue it was reckless and stupid. It wasn't dangerous. It, it really wasn't. And, you know, he Vettel was rightly had the... He had the book for... He was given the maximum possible penalty that realistically could be given. Yeah. Formula One doesn't do DQs. It doesn't do that sort of thing very often. I said it before, Grosjean getting banned in 2012 was more a case of reputation than Belgium 2012 itself. You know how I know this? Because Carlos Sainz caused a similar accident and only got a three-place grid drop. That's what Formula One is. We don't deal in DQs and, and, and disqualifications and harsh penalties. That's just not how it is. The last time we had a 10-second stop and go was Dino Kvyat in Russia last year. And he wrecked about half a dozen dudes' races that day. And that was about as big the book being thrown at Kvyat as anybody could do. It was the maximum possible penalty. About 30 seconds worth. I don't see what more you can do about getting into the range of this is starting to get ethically questionable. But that's the toxic world of Formula 1 media and social media and how it all just becomes one great big infinite feedback loop. 
I think I'm finished. I think I'm finished. Also, P.S. Jody and Palmer's an ass. Um, <laughs> oh um, just thought I'd get that one in there as well because Jesus Christ, like his his interview with Jenny Gal made my skin crawl. Just about, like just Julian, stop being a dick. I know you've had a bad season, but taking it out on the media doesn't help anybody at all. Like. If anything, it basically blew smoke up Jenny Gow's ass because she was she actually promoted a friggin' villain of the day piece on Twitter for the first time. I see your game, Jenny. I see your game. Oof. I like you. Don't 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 make me turn on you, Jenny. It's not very nice. But um, yeah, I think I'm just about done because God, this incident made me, made me want, makes me want to die. I just, I just want to forget this ever happened. Can we can we skip to Austria now, please? <laughs> That'd be nice. Thanks. Should we call that a segment, King? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, to the news! Okay, probably the biggest news story we got in the world of Formula One leading up to Baku in the week coming up to it was coming out of Sauber and the seemingly kind of sad news that Manisha Keltenborn has had to step down as team principal at Sauber. They haven't announced a replacement just yet. It's imminent. I think it's going to be close. We'll, I think we'll know quite soon. Um, but from what people have been reporting, King, it seems like it could be something to do with the drivers and the alliances within the team by the sounds of it. Yeah, apparently uh, uh, the new investors that that Sauber got last year, Longbow Finance, this financial firm from Sweden, they, you know, obviously for a variety of reasons prefer Marcus Ericsson over, Pas- mm. over Pascal Verlein. Uh, basically, Manisha Keltenborn didn't like, you know, favoring one driver over the other, especially how... She, especially how strong Pascal Verlein has been. Yeah. I I remember, like, there was a great Autosport post about this because, like, they were interviewing Manisha and they interviewed um, both of their current drivers, um, obviously Marcus and Pascal. And Marcus Ericsson gave them the company line. Oh, yeah, the team's working very hard. They're doing this, they're doing that, and they're giving both guys an equal chance to succeed. They asked Pascal the same question. You know what his response was? What? No comment. <laughs> like he's like Pascal said, no comment. They went back to Marcus again, and Marcus was like, "Oh, I didn't think he would say that." <laughs> so basically, like you can read between the lines here. I I think that it it seem it seems to me that Salba seemed to be leaning towards Marcus because of Marcus's money, whereas Manisha and Pascal seem to think something else is going on. And they're leaning towards him, which is kind of ironic because at this Grand Prix at Baku, just just this past weekend, there was team orders and they told Marcus to move aside for Pascal Verline, which Marcus obliged to, and Pascal got the last point for Sauber. Interesting. <laughs> like, King, any tinfoil hats in the room? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe a few. Okay, guys, guys, keep it quiet. Yeah. Keep it quiet. Have have Pascal benefit from team orders. No one will notice. Uh, but uh, that that was interesting to say the least. But um, King Manisha stepping down, and 
I feel bad for Manisha. I really do. I mean, it looks like they, the team pretty much forced her hand here, and it's a it's a real shame because I've always had a lot of respect for Manisha. I think she seems like the sort of person that has really had to fight and claw with. Let's be honest, not an awful lot at that Salva team over the years. Yeah, not a lot. Man, like, the moment BMW pulled out the team, it was just downhill. Yeah, I think that was, also, I think that was 2010, I think it was their last year, BMW was with Salba. Um, and after that, it's, 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 it's been up and down to say ever since. I mean, look at 2012 when they had Perez and Kobayashi, and what a team that was. Four podium finishes that season, and very nearly two wins for Salba that year, and even the year after, I mean, Gutierrez wasn't great, but Hulkenberg had a fantastic second half of the season. I remember that was probably his best year in F1 when he pretty much carried that Salba to top five finishes on three occasions. And, you know, even Nasa, when he made his debut, like, yeah, Nasa was in the top six a couple of times and it was great, and it's just been up and down and it's been mostly down. They've fallen to the bottom of the constructors now, or pretty much the bottom. Um, still ahead of McLaren by a point, but I, I, I struggle to think that will that will hold on for the rest of the. I, I, I don't think Sauber will, will hang on to that ninth. I think McLaren will get up there eventually. But I mean, Zoe. I mean, you can relate to this a little bit more. But this is this is a prominent female figure in motorsport. This is a blow, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, she was handpicked by Peter Sauber. It's not even like. Oh she, yeah. She's just been someone put in by a kilometre like faceless yeah, yeah. boy it was Peter Sauer went look you've been with the team so long you know what to do have at it like yeah she's basically what Claire Williams is at Williams absolutely they've been groomed for this position Peter Sauer saw the talent and took her like took it on I mean probably really her only downfall and our time has probably been the whole overhiring of drivers. Yeah, the Guido Vandergaard incident from 2016. And that's yeah. that's only because a certain accident happened. Yeah, a certain yeah, an injury that, again, Jules was the guy for that team. He was going to go to Salba, but that obviously put an enormous spanner in everything, um, to say the least. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's probably the only real black mark against Manisha's name. And I'm, I'm, I'm gutted because not only was Manisha a, a prominent female figure in F1, but also a person of colour. And that's someone that you don't see very many of either in Formula 1. So you know, ticking both those boxes and you know being pretty darn good at her job at Sabre over the last half decade or so. I'm gutted and I wish Manisha the best because it's it's... Clearly not a good environment if you feel like you know you're uh, you know, the, the guys upstairs are favouring one guy over the other and it's having a negative effect on the team as a result. Especially when you've got a, a, such a talent like Pascal in your team as well, it's a real shame. So yeah, I, I wish Manisha um, the best. Yeah, and uh, go on, go on, yeah, go on, go on. Pascal came out and said that like Manisha, like after his accident, she was turning around saying, "Listen, don't worry, take your time. You're still going mm. to have the right." Like she, she yeah. was the one who reassured him. It's empathy is an important thing to have in, especially in motorsport where it can be so cutthroat and it can be so brutal in the sense of, you know, it, it doesn't take much for someone to lose their job these days. And you know, like, I I know for a fact many a person was batting for Antonio Giovinazzi the moment he stepped into that Salba and he finished twelfth in Australia. And you know, don't get me wrong, I would still absolutely love to see Antonio in Formula One one day. He's a great talent. Um, but 
that was Pascal's seat. But I could totally see why somebody would maybe just cut Pascal altogether and bring Antonio in. Because F1's that sort of business where it can happen like that and the click of the fingers and, you know, you've cut a guy, you've brought somebody else in because, you know, you've got to move on fast in Formula 1. It's such a fast-paced sport in literally and metaphorically. Um, but yeah, like I said, I wish Manisha all the best. It's a real shame. Um, again, as a person of colour and as 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 a as a probably one of the most prominent female figures in all of F one, to lose a job like that is a real shame. Um, especially in the, in the way that it's happened, where you know they've got a great talent there in Pascal, and God forbid you give him a bit more credit, um, and you, instead you want to put Marcus as your guy who just isn't as good, um, at least in my opinion. So it's a shame. Uh, moving over to IndyCar quickly, um, Dale Coyne as well made a, conf- a, a, a another conf- confirmation. They've moved TBA out of their car, and they have now they have now announced that uh, the the worst kept secret in IndyCar, Esteban Gutierrez will take over at Dale Coyne in the eighteen car. Dot dot dot. Probably for the rest of the season. I mean, there's still an outside chance, Seb. Bourdais comes back for the final round at Sonoma, but it's looking likely that Esteban will, will fill in for the rest of the season. And uh, King, a couple of tough rookie starts, but not bad, I think, for, for Esteban so far. I think a couple of 17ths so far. And, you know, first overall round coming up next week. Oh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he does in Iowa. It's still kind of yeah, doing Iowa the testing, because they've got testing at Iowa. Yes. Mm. So, yeah. So if Dale Con's doing be. it, then they better be sticking Esteban in it, because I don't think really, for a baptism of fire, Iowa really isn't one of the best. Because it is, like, for as much as it's one of the tiniest ovals out there, it runs like a super speedway. Yeah, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> pretty much, exactly. Um, so yeah, that'll be a baptism of fire for Esteban. But again, wish him the best. Um... Nice to see him in IndyCar. He's done all right so far. I mean, 17th is about right for Dale Coyne, if I'm being completely honest. Um, but again, they've really they really have batted above their weight this season with Ed Jones as well doing a tremendous job in the 19 car as well. So hopefully Esteban can back it up a little bit as well. But that'd be one to keep an eye on, as well as their 2018 first car test. They'll be testing their brand new, gorgeous looking 2018 car. Um, in just under a month's time, July 25th uh, will be the first um, Indy 2018 car test at Indianapolis. So keep half an eye out for that. Mailbag! Let's get into the mailbag before we wrap it up on this week's episode. And um, King's been waiting for this one for a couple of weeks. It's his chance. Nor asks in the mailbag, China Racing F1 team, serious player or just business as usual? Discuss. Ooh, like, it's kind of unclear who is exactly investing into China F1, but it's looking like it's going to be, uh, it's, it's gonna be like the caterer model, where they build their own car but have a engine supplier, but strangely are also a car manufacturer. Huh? <laughs> okay. So, basically, uh, a Chinese car company, they're... They, they're going to start selling cars in, you know, the West, in Europe. And yeah, they want to get their name out there before they actually start doing that. And they think the best way is starting a Formula 1 team. Yeah, the, the, the nice, cheap, entry-level option, um, <laughs> <laughs> to, say, to say the least. But uh, I've only had rumblings about this. It's interesting, to say the least. I mean, 
King. I just hope they don't end up like the ways of USF one and it just end up making toasters. Um, <laughs> as much as a USF one toaster would be very nice, um, you know, I, I just don't want another team in there that's going to be in there always playing catch up and then ends up leaving after like four or five years, mm-hmm. which is likely, unfortunately, given the way F one is. I guess. Mm-hmm. Is there well, any two sets on that? Well, I did love um, Eddie Jordan's conspiracy theory, which is Mercedes is planning on leaving soon because Petronas (laughs) is leaving them next season. So Mercedes are going to want to get out of their contract before 2020. Let them take over. Let China F1 take over. Yeah, my response to that is is that they are the best team in Formula 1. They've won like 90% of the hybrid era races since, since the hybrid era began. I think Mercs could get a pretty good title sponsor if they wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Sorry, Eddie. Hands off the whiskey. Um, just throwing that out there. Um, Charles Regnable asks, when can we expect Lance to get a second podium? What a Homer question this is. <laughs> when will, tra- well, when mean- will when Lance get a second podium? I mean... He is start he is finding his feet now, and he is becoming more and more consistent. So, if Max's engine decides to get die again, and certain people and certain teams decide to instead of just having a, a gentle nudge between each other under safety <laughs> car, decide let's just try and do what Senna and Prost used to do and. Properly take each other out. Yeah, why not? It's always the fun solution to these problems. Uh-huh. And you know, works for Esteban Ocon. Uh-huh. <laughs> and while we have the, these two people probably being men and fighting it out, Lance will be on the podium. Sure, why not? <laughs> Twenty nineteen. I'm going to pick out of here. Twenty nineteen. Williams. Williams will will have a good car, a good year. They'll be in the top three, and maybe Lance will sneak a podium in there somewhere. Is it Williams going to Honda? Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Are you sure I read that Williams was going to Honda? Or is that just a rumour? That's just a rumour. It's not going to happen. No way. And, like, Williams has got an entire car built around the concept of top speed. If they had a Honda engine in there, then I would, like, literally just gouge my eyes out. Um... Yeah, uh, basically, yeah. RJ O'Connell asks, yeah, RJ is still here via the mailbag. Bless him. He asks, when are we going to talk about the fact that Red Bull have now compi- have now got less completed laps than McLaren? Oh, isn't that isn't that crazy? Like Red Bull have now completed less racing laps this year than McLaren has. Fun fact, and thanks to Will Buxton for this information. Red Bull has now done 685 racing laps this season. Honda has now, with Honda with McLaren, have now done 716. So mm. the, the, only, the, only, the only difference, obviously, is the 135 points. Mm-hmm. Obviously, <laughs> but 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 um, yes, McLaren has now done 31 laps more than oh. Red Bull has managed. Like Red Bull. It's amazing. Red Bull, I don't think, had a single mechanical retirement last year. Like, they were one of the most bulletproof teams in the field. They, they competed more laps than anybody else last year. And this year, they've gone from the best to literally the worst. I mean, Red Bull is almost like um, back in the 1960s. Um, Lotus was famous for, 
Yeah, if you're in our car, you're either going to win or you're going to DNF. There, there is no middle uh -huh. ground. <laughs> they seem to be as either we're on the podium or we're DNFing. They're not quite, they're, they're not quite at the lotus you're going to win every race. It's, you're going to like either finish on the podium or just outside the podium. Because that's generally what's happened every time they finish the race. That have either yeah. been on the podium or fourth or fifth. It's not like they're just sort of sitting there go, like twiddling their thumbs the rest of the time. They are in the points. I mean, we mentioned it, Max, Max Verstappen, who's probably been a bit better than Ricardo this season so far on merit, has now got four DNFs to his name in the, in the last six rounds. That's that's awful. I mean, you can see Max getting frustrated. I mean, we, we joked about it on the on our hangout yesterday, like, go on, Dr. Marco, reassure your mans. Give him a cuddle. Tell him everything's going to be all right. <laughs> it really wasn't a mistake to knock back Aston Martin. It's looking that way, isn't it? Oh, dear. Oh, Red Bull. What a shame. Um, ego's kicking in now, I reckon. Last question for Michael Morrison. He says, what is going to happen if Vettel gets into an incident and only gets two license points like his previous incidents, like 11 out of 12? Um, here's what I know. Vettel's got nine points on his license, but he loses two at Silverstone. Um afterwards because he got into an incident with Felipe Massa last year that put two points on his license and a five second time penalty. So if as if if Vettel gets in an incident he will most likely take a ban at Britain because the the, the Austria points kick in first before the British points go away. Mm. If that makes sense. Um so yeah that's the long and the short of it. Vettel's on nine points but he will lose two of those nine points at if he gets past Silverstone okay, pretty much. That's the last question, you guys. So I think we're just about done here. Huh? Yay! Um, yay. Unless King comes in with, with, with like an 11th hour topic or something. Yes, which I don't think we, we do have Formula E news. Uh, for Sam Bird. Oh <laughs> yes, <laughs> Sam Bird will be racing in New York, but Jose Maria Lopez won't. He'll be replaced by Alex Lynn. Hey, Alex Lynn! She's doing nice. not bad. <laughs> yeah, like... like She's dyed her hair one colour now, and she's going to be racing again. Great. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, shout, so shout out, shout out to, um, to, 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 to Virgin on that one. And nice to have Axelin back in a race car. That's pretty cool. Anything else, King, you want to get off your chest? No, that's all. Excellent. <laughs> um, Zoe, before you go real quick, tell them where the people can find you. You find me on Twitter find me on Twitter at Weasley and I'm on the Grid Girls website. I should hopefully I've kind of ended up with a bit of a hiatus just because it um, end of college year and that but I should be coming back yep. with an article in Road America by the end of the week at least. <laughs> so. Yep, so, check her out on the, so check her out on the Grid Girls. Um, our friends um, our, our friends of the show on there. Um, so yeah, this, you can check out Zoe on there she's a regular on there as well on, on, on the website and on the show itself as well and of course you can follow her on Twitter at WeZoe think Scottish you'll, you'll, you'll figure out the spell <laughs> um, basically but um, one more time you can find us on YouTube and Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101 on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101 and our personal Twitters as said at WeZoe at Harrison101HD and at Ryan Eric King that's with two Ks RJ will probably be back next week he's at RJ O'Connell 
And you can, of course, if you really like us, you can back us on Patreon. And remember, this is the last week you can get early access for just free, three dollars a month instead of five. Check it out there. That would be great. Um, Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Thank you all very much for listening. It's been a wonderful pleasure to be back. Hopefully it won't be another two weeks before I'm back on again. And of course, listen to Bike Live later this week as well. We'll be checking out all the action um, from a ridiculously good MotoGP weekend at Assen and previewing the next BSB round as well. So until then, I've been Andre Harrison. It's good to be back. The first shout out as well to Ryan King and Zoe Hamilton. And until next time, we'll catch you guys later. Sign up. Bye. Later, yo. Later, you. My God, <laughs> what? What was that? <laughs> I I did say to RJ, do I'm proud, so I had to end with that. <laughs> oh, he he put you up to no, this. No, he didn't. Oh, okay, I just know that's how he ends, so I had to. <laughs> you you can tell Zoe's a hardcore listener. God bless her. <laughs> yeah.